Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on-chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave, here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And on this episode, we went off-chain, but we went to the world of law, the world of the courts, the uh, trials and tribulations of being, you know, of being a lawyer with Ryan Nixon on, who is the founder and managing partner of Horizons Law, which is a boutique law firm that specializes in crypto, DeFi, OG in the space from like 2015, 2016. He's worked with everybody from Solana General Counsel, as Solana General Counsel to SNX, like hell of a resume, hell of stories he shared with us. Um, I, you know, this is probably one of the favorite, my favorite episodes I've ever done. Because this is a kind of podcast that I would like pass along to my founder friends or founders that are just starting off and trying or like VCs that are just like starting off. I'm like, you need to listen to this. This is required listening if you want to be in crypto. Like that's how good this podcast was. Um, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Absolutely, man. I think Ryan is a gem in this space. Gem, he's, yes. Dude, he's obviously a knowledge buff. And more importantly, he's like spreading the ethos of crypto into a into the legal realm like he's teaching lawyers yeah. tokenomics like that is mm -hmm. super impactful and that Dude. will for sure have reverberation throughout the industry for for you know many many uh years he's truly a well-rounded individual because not only is he such such a wealth of knowledge in the space like doesn't matter the chain the application the area but he's a fighter you know like he doesn't yeah. he's not afraid to get down and dirty i mean he was literally an mma fighter in another life but now like in the legal arena, like that's, you know, a whole nother ball game, quite literally. So, you know, yeah. and like all the different things that Horizon's doing, like it's more than just a law firm. It's kind of a disservice just calling it a law firm. Like, you know, they have tokenomics, they have, you know, help with like development. They have like, you know, fundraising. It's like another whole entity that does mm -hmm. like fun stuff. Like they, fun stuff. Like there's so much like, you know, that he offers and like so much like he can do. And like, it's just, you know, He's been a homie and, of mine for like the longest yeah. time. So it's like really happy to, he's a busy dude. So it was like really special finally getting him on. Yeah. And one note to the uh, listeners, please bust out your notepad and yes. write down notes. Like he gave such tactical advice and like applicable today. So yeah, like, like write down some notes, guys, write down some notes. Yeah. And before you get that notepad, you know, you have to go and subscribe. You have to, if you want to catch up with all the alpha, you know, we get like, because we will get more guests like this. So you got to subscribe, hit that bell button, give us a like, let us know what you think of this episode, because I think it was pretty fire. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FlywheelPod. Hit us up on our Telegram group at FlywheelPod. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning on this one. I'm really excited. <laughs> let's go. Let's get it spinning. Let's get it spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. Hey everyone, today we have a very special and unique guest. Um, I guess today we're hearing from the other side. A lot of times we have founders on, but this time we go to the law because this time we have <laughs> the founder and managing partner of Horizons Law and the founder and GP at Marin Digital Ventures, 
Ryan Nixon. Ryan, how are you doing today? <laughs> great to great to see you again, Dave. I know. <laughs> nice. Good to see you guys. <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. It's been awesome. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on. Like we've been trying to set this up for so long. You know, we've yeah. been talking about it, like all the different things we can discuss on here. And we finally made it work because you know, I know you're a busy dude because you're a lawyer in crypto. I don't think there's like probably a busier profession right now. Yeah, especially right now, Dave. Oh <laughs> my god, it's such a Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so many places we can go, but for people that are unfamiliar with you, um, can you give it a little bit of your background? Um, you know, how did you get into crypto law? Because it's a very niche part of the legal field. Yeah, sure, sure. <clears throat> so my background, um, <clears throat> corporate and securities lawyer by training. Um uh, graduated from UCLA, went and clerked for a federal judge. That was pretty cool. Um, did some complex like federal litigation for a bit. That was just kind of not my jam. Um, I was friends with Adam Draper uh, from undergrad, uh, Boost VC, Adam Draper, wow. you know, his dad's Tim Draper. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was hating my job in litigation and I went to Adam and I was like, hey, I hate, I hate what I'm doing. You know, can I, can I speak to your lawyer? Cause I'm thinking about quitting the you know, practice of law. Uh, so I talked to Adam's lawyer. He's really great. He's still a mentor to this day. Um, said, I hated what I was doing. If I could work for him, he said, unfortunately, I just hired somebody. Um, so sorry. I said, Hey, well, I want to, you know, learn how to work with startups, um, be a lawyer, work with startups. I'll work for you for free. And, um, he was like, let me think about it. Grab my resume. Uh, he called me later that day. He was like, look, you have like an excellent resume. You, you know, you've really got some good stuff here. Uh, I'll pay you on an hourly basis, right? You can work for me at night. So I was working uh, at some firm and then moonlighting for Adam's mm. lawyer at night. Um, eventually I came in full time. It was pretty sick. I got exposed early on, you know, 2014 um, to like early Bitcoin plays, early ICOs, all the stuff that wow. Boost was doing. Yeah. So it was very cool. Um, I eventually got a, uh, an offer from an in-house position, non-crypto, uh, and kind of, you know, they sold, sold the dream to me of this new place, uh, this, this new opportunity. And I went and worked at this travel like tech startup, which eventually blew up. And I don't know if we have more time, we can, we can go into that story at, you know, <laughs> separately. Cause that's a whole like money mismanagement fraud, you know, it was tied up in civil litigation and everything about criminal charges, all this crazy stuff. And I all the drama this, right there. All the drama, man. All the drama. Oh, it teed you up perfectly for crypto. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was this like before you got into crypto law? Blew up? Yeah, it is before you like started your own firm. So like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So right before, I, yeah, right you know, let's, let's go. Let's go in there. Like what happened to this travel uh, startup that you work for? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some lessons learned for founders in this, and and we can we can jig into that a little bit more, um, you know, later yeah. on as well. But um, hired a ton of very expensive people, a massive like building. You know, they, they got this like 250 person building in San Francisco when the team was like 70, and it's like, hey guys, uh, you know, not many people know this, but the margins in travel, like Expedia and all them, that the margins are very tiny, right? So it's really a volume uh, business and we weren't doing a lot of volume and it's just funny being a lawyer that's there. And I'm like, Hey guys, like this kind of doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I know I'm not like, you know, the, 
the CFO or the head of BD, but like something doesn't smell right here. And then my boss, who is chief legal officer, was like, hey, you know, uh, you want to speak up about that stuff? We can just fire you. And I'd be like, well, like oh, stay what? in your lane. Stay in yeah, your lane. Stay in oh. your lane. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? Right. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. There was this like inner like dispute, inner turmoil between um, one of the founders who was the CEO and the other founder who was the president. And um, my boss was the CEO's personal lawyer. So there was a conflict there. And then I, oh. I was sort of on this branch, but the president hated the CEO and was like, hey, you know, um, what's going on here? Like, shit's not like working well. What do you think? And I was like, look, this shit's like super corrupt. My boss, he's based in LA, flies up to San Francisco once a month, but just finds one thing to nitpick. I'm doing all the work. You're paying him a huge salary. Like, what are you doing? You know? And he was like, what do you think we should do? I was like, we should get rid of my boss. And he was like, well, why don't you write one of those memos you lawyers like to write and I'll bring it to the board. And I was like, I bet. Like, how was Chadwick You know, it was Friday. And he was like, you got four hours. The board meeting's on Saturday. You know, I'll wait up for it. Typed up some stuff. He gave it to the board. Uh, you know, my, my boss, the CLO, resigned. I, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever had that, like, evil, like, horrible boss. But this guy was that to me. I mean, this guy would call me on Christmas. He had nothing to do. And he'd be like, hey, what's up with XYZ contract? And I'm like, uh, sorry, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Christmas Day. I didn't I did, I did do it today. And he's like, well, I guess it's not going to get fucking done. And he'd hang up on me. Oh. Like, yeah, like all the time I was like, is today the day? Is today where they let me go? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, got oh him God. fired. Thought that was like the big, the biggest like toxic thing in the company. It wasn't. It was like everything else. So by the time I eventually got rid of him and tried to get control of this company just to help, you know, uh, it was all going down. So, uh... you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, wound up the company that in itself was a, was a major lesson learned. Like this, this company had raised almost like $40 million. So it wasn't a tiny startup, you know, it was Mm -hmm. in series A to B mode. Um, Winding up a a company of that size is in itself a very like valuable lesson. So now I I'm grateful for, you know, going through that. But at the time I was like, Oh man, what am I going to do? I didn't want to go back to my, like a big firm, my first Mm -hmm. firm, which just sort of sweatshop me you know, didn't like what, you know, this startup ended up being. Um, and I couldn't go back to my old job, right? Yeah. At Boost because I was gone. I was gone too long. I was gone for like 18 months. So yeah. uh, I, tur- I turned around and I was like, all right, I'll start my own firm. Um, I went back to Adam. I went back to my old boss. I was like, hey guys, you know, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, Adam, I'll work with the shittiest startups that just need privacy policies and terms of whatever i'll do the boringest stuff i just don't want to be mistreated anymore and i can't work with your lawyer with my old boss right i was gone too long so just mm-hmm. let me come in and it wasn't that easy i had to like hit up adam i think you know like 30 40 times he's a busy guy very busy guy yeah. um the but, art of know. following up i want to point on that like it's so yeah. important to, if you really want something following up you can never do it too much and the more you yeah. follow up the more you want it like literally yeah, that's yeah. you followed up 30, 40 times. Cause you know, 30, like, 40 times. Yeah. yeah literally. Cause it's like, this and is a do or die moment. Basically. Yeah, it really was. It really was. I guys, I was like broke as a joke. My girlfriend that was like living with me. She's like, Oh cool. I'm dating some like tech lawyer. And I was like, yeah, honey, but you know, I'm starting my own firm. I'm, I'm broke. Right. And she, she, 
told her that on Wednesday. We picked a fight on. She picked a fight with me on Thursday, and she moved out on Sunday. And I was like, "Yo, man!" Well, she wasn't <laughs> ride or die, so <laughs> she's definitely, she definitely not ride or die. <laughs> so with oh. this, I was like, "I'm going to follow up, follow up." And guys, you know, to any of your listeners, as a tip, you know, being persistent is a major is a major key, right? If you are being persistent like that, where you are reaching out a many number of times, I would always condition it. I would say, "Hey, look." You haven't told me no, you know, until you say, hey, you're bugging me or no, this isn't going to happen. Um, I'm going to keep following up. I would, I would every third message, I put something like that. Just let me know if I'm bugging you and I'll stop, you know, but I'd love to get in there and get in front of your projects. You know, I, I, I'm really pumped of the possibility. I read this thing. I mean, I come up with all these reasons to reach out, <laughs> you know, yes, and yes. Um, yeah, man, one day he, uh, he called me and he was like, look, I, you know, I talked to you know, I talked to Jared, that was my old boss. That's, that's his lawyer. And he said, you know, come on in. So I came in and, and one of my first crypto clients was, uh, my ether wallet. So I don't know if you remember oh, that. Wow. Hard fork. Mew. Yeah. 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 yeah with Mew. Yeah. And my that's crypto, what I was using in 2017 <laughs> going yeah. on Mew to do all the transactions. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a question. So in the 18 months you're at the travel startup, were you still keeping track of crypto? Were you still like seeing what was going on? Or not really. So, I mean, I was sort of like half in it because mm -hmm. this this job when I when I took it, I mean, there was there's there's so much more to it than this, right? It was just yeah. all, all of the crazy stuff that was going on. Plus, it was sort of this like surveillance state. Like, you know, remember I was I was I was one of the attorneys, so I would see all mm -hmm. the stuff that the executive team was were thinking about and looking at. And these guys would they you know you'd have a key card, so you tag in in the morning to get in through the, you know, mm -hmm. through the door. Cause it was mm -hmm. had security. Um, but they'd have a timestamp on that. Right. And then mm -hmm. they'd also timestamp you when you left and they were using that to make termination decisions, bonus decisions, like all this crazy stuff. Oh. So there was like all of these other weird, just not normal distractions. Like I had this game, I would swipe in, you know, and then I had like, I had like a janitor key that I took and I would use that to swipe in and out all day. If I went <laughs> so it looked Hacking like I'd the get system. In. Yeah. And I'd leave, you know, 16 hour days. Um, so anyway, wow. I mean, long story short, I just, I was really, you know, in this perilous situation. And you're and, half uh, in and half out of crypto. Yeah. So you like kind of knew what year was on. this? Yeah. This was 2016, 2015. And you were yeah. in SF at this time, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like, yeah, like the whole like Ethereum scene was like buzzing, like beginning to buzz around then. Like there was a bunch of meetups and stuff. I remember hearing stories about that. Just like the yeah. first ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. That that um, that time in San Francisco, and for the next couple of years after, I, in my opinion, up to COVID, you know, um, SF was really this big hub of of activity in the space. Um, yeah, man. So you know, when I finally got out, um, went back into Boost, started working with Taylor, which was at me my Ether wallet, helped her through leaving my Ether wallet into my crypto. Um, that was wild because. Uh, I don't know if you guys were, were, were deep in the space back then, but yeah, I remember um, hearing about mm -hmm. that, uh, split. I remember. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was contentious. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we took the Twitter handle, which was not the right thing to do at the time. And that's what yeah, the law said as well. And I advise that just to be clear. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, uh, here were Taylor and Kosla were like best friends and then they become extremely wealthy and this, you know, company they were working on is sort of like this star in the space at the time, but 
no corporate docs, set up as an LLC instead of a C corp. Like everything was just done just sort of quickly and, you know, just so they can launch. Right. But um, it made things very complicated when Taylor was trying to leave because she, there was no CEO, but she kind of held herself out as CEO and the space knew her as CEO. So she couldn't start my crypto without getting out of my ether wallet. But how do you do that? Right. Cause they, they were sort of like locked in this battle. So, you know, I think, this goes into maybe like war stories if you ever want to hear some of those. Uh, but this is a great war story Lovely. because I just started, right? It's just me. Uh, remember, I was going through a hard personal time, hard financial time. And it's like, oh, man, I'm like talking to her. She's like, you went through big, three big firms. Like, fuck are you going to do? And I was like, I'm the best. Don't worry. You know, and I'm just I'm sort of like, I'm going to figure it out. Figure it out. I start sweating, you know? <laughs> no, I got this. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I got this. But I, I did come up with a really, um, I think, a smart strategy, and it worked. Was I gave Kosala notice, right? You can give you can give notice of an intent to dissolve the company. So I said, hey, we're going to dissolve the company. Taylor and this minority shareholder, we're going to gave written notice of of uh, dissolution, right? But I gave notice right around this time. I mailed notice uh, like December twenty second, right? And it went to whatever, his old place. And then it kicked his, I don't know, place in Malibu where he's whipping his Lambos or I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he's got, but I'm sure. Right. Uh, <laughs> but who's checking their mail, right? Well, yeah. nobody, especially who's checking it around Christmas, probably nobody, but that's not my problem. Right. That's the law says you yeah. have 10 days once you drop it in the mail. So I did that, uh, was dissolved. We went into the mediation like negotiations and, uh, his lawyer was like, you know, we had all these documents, we like internal documents we turned over and he was like, are these the whole universe of documents? And I was like, um, these are the whole universe of internal documents that you counselor cannot get your hands on. And he was like, no, 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 that's not what I asked. He said, is this the whole universe? And I said, no, it's not the whole universe because anything that's publicly available is not my problem. It's your problem, right? Like, that's not, that's not me. That's you. You have to do your own diligence. And he goes, you know, he like whips out this thing and he's like, what's this? And he like slams it on the table. And it was this notice of dissolution. And I was like, yeah, companies dissolve. Ready to talk, and we did a deal, you know. <laughs> so, oh. at the time, man, at the time it was wild. Like, I um, I used to do like mixed martial arts, right? So, yeah. I, I had done this like hard, um, like fight, like smoker slash training session for the pro team. So, I had tore my arm. So, I'm in this negotiation, and I have like a 5XL like button up shirt because I have this massive cast and like robot thing like plugged in here because i mean you could see here it's like ripped yeah, yeah, yeah. and they did yeah. surgery here yeah uh and i'm sitting here in this big sling doing the negotiation it was the craziest time man it was so wait crazy. so is the publicly available document was a dissolution notice yeah you sent? yeah okay. because it, uh -huh. it would reflect it on on california like secretary of state website that it was now dissolved right and they'd have that notice uh. and everything in there so um yeah so it worked out it worked out and from there um, Polychain led their Series A, got very close to Polychain. Um, mm. That led to me working with a lot of portfolio companies, which led to, you know, Solana and then, you know, doing stuff with Joe, uh, Dave. I started working with mm. SNX. And I mean, at yeah. this point, it's sort of like a who's who. Like we've worked wow, with a so, lot of the top, top projects in the space. Yeah. yeah. So that, that my crypto story was like your do or die moment. That was like a defining moment wow. of your career because that went well and it led you to polychain and that was like, yo, look what I did. Like, and it showed like what you, you know, your ability and your skills and like that got you to the next level. 
Like it could have yeah. easily went the other way. And it was like, oh, like what am I going to do now? But like, no, it led you on the path that you're on now. Um, yeah. I want I want to touch on. Um, so you said you're in SF in like 2015 to like till like COVID. Like, what was this? I want to get into like what the scene was like in SF because I just feel like there are so many successful founders, investors that were all in that scene. Can you get? Can you paint a picture of what it was like being in SF during that time and like what was going on? Yeah. So I'll say probably the best sort of example of SF during this time period. And again, let's say it's like, you know, 2016, 17, like right after the Dow, you know, hack onto, you know, the next bull into that bear to 2019, you know, maybe 2020. Um, So I was at Polychain. That was in uh, the Asana building, right? 1550 Mm -hmm. Bryant. They're not there anymore. So this is you know, who, who cares about giving the address, but, um, down the hall was wire, right. The, um, Fiat on and off ramp W Y R E. So wire had rented this massive space, uh, sort of very different to be clear because wire is dope, but very different from my, my last position. They, they had projected themselves to grow a lot. And then, um, I think, you know, crypto market started blowing up mm-hmm. and they had to like reduce stuff. So they had this very big like office space that they had to fill up. So what they did was, is, you know, they made it this sort of um, open office for startups with preference and deference to crypto projects. So if you guys were like, you guys could set up right in there and you would get a couple of desks. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I set up in there after I, I left Polychain, I had like a row of desks and wire was there. Richard Lee from 4K, he had uh, Alpha Block, which was a fund at the time, was there. Multiplied was there. Future Swap was started out of there. Teller Finance was started out of there. Alchemy oh, was started out of there, wow. right? Mm. Um, like the Enterprise and Fura. I mean, there was a ton of projects that came out of, of Wire. They had a Wire podcast, um, which sort of like a who's who uh, in the space, like went on there. Um, oh. Tolly, the founder of Near, you know, Joe Lubin, like you name it. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if Sam was doing frack stuff then, but if he was, he definitely would have been on that podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was just this hotbed and, um, SF blockchain week you go. And it was just sort of like, everybody was there, you know, it was a who's who, um, it's, it was honestly like a really cool time, even though like during the bear things were hard, which like, like it is right now. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, we'd always have, we call them founders hours, founders hours, right? Founders hours are. Um, when everybody goes home, right? Everybody wants to be the boss, but nobody wants to work founders hours. So it's like Friday night and it's like midnight and you're still grinding. And then, oh, you got a call at 10 a.m. on Saturday. But wait, it's the weekend. Well, it's founders hours, right? Founders hours. Uh, founders right? hours. I like that. Yep. I like founders that. Hours. I work founder you know? hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're in there, founders hours, and it's like work all the way through the week. Friday night, I got to stay late. Three other people are staying late too. We're in separate conference rooms. You know, we get dinner and a beer and you're just shooting the shit, talking shop. And, you know, it's really just such a very amazing and grateful wow. thing to like sit down with people. And it's like, you know, I'm talking to you guys. and I'm like, fuck, man, like, like, are we going to make it? You know, and Dave's like, bro, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, yeah, I just interviewed XYZ on the podcast. Like he was talking about this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, like that's dope. You know, and then we like look it up and we feed off that energy. And it's just, you know, it's, it's so uplifting. And, you know, I think right now, I, you know, I was I, to, to um, one of your guys, Dave, Sam, I was like offering for him to come. Um, it's our office here in Brickell. I've been trying 
to recreate, uh, you know, the space mm -hmm. as we get more offices I and have see. more room. Cause I, I want to get not just my team in here. I want to get some of the portfolio projects from, from Marin digital in here or people that are, aren't even just their friends, you know, yeah. could come and just kick it. And we just shoot the shit, talk shop because, you know, I, I think the one thing crypto is great about, you know, it's a distributed team. Um, you guys are distributed. My team is very distributed, but if, getting in, in front of people and getting in the same room with people like we can feed off of each other yeah, and i feel like yeah. right now we need that more than anything you know so it was much like it was very similar uh to that nsf at the time like wow. 10x right like it just yeah. it was, everybody was there it was it was amazing so yeah there's definitely magic happens when people come together and can just bounce ideas off in person and just so quickly and iteratively and just like being in person it's just a different energy than being on yeah. screen like if I could, I'd love to do more in-person podcasts, like do these flywheel interviews, which actually is a good idea, but <laughs> thinking about yeah. that for another time, that'd be really cool. But yeah, magic happens in person. And so, but COVID, like that was a sharp break. It was a sharp break in a, in a lot of things and in, in a lot of ways, and especially for the SF crypto scene, because you had that narrative of everyone moving out of SF during COVID mm -hmm. um, yeah. and stuff. And so like, what, so let's get to that part. So like once like COVID hit, what was it like for your practice? Was it growing at all? Um, like, how was it growing? Um, where, what were you focusing on and who were your clients at that time? Sure. Yeah, COVID was, was like an, a pretty interesting time, right? Because on the one hand, in SF, it got really, and, and this is just my opinion, but it got really ugly. You know, mm -hmm. it was, um, people were afraid. I still remember I lived in Haight-Ashbury, like right outside of Golden Gate Park. And I, I remember, you know, a month or two after COVID. So we kind of know what it is. We're still scared. Everything's locked down, but you know, it's not the black plague, but it, it's mm -hmm. kind of scary. Right. I'm walking in uh, Golden Gate park. I have my mask down just because I have a coffee. Right. So I pull my mask down and I just sip the coffee in Golden Gate park. Right. I'm not in a movie theater or in a elevator with 10 mm -hmm. other people, you know, and I sip and cough. I just took a sip. Yeah. I start putting my mask off and I, I still remember this lady with like her husband or boyfriend yelled at me across the park and was like, thanks for contributing to the spread. And I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck? And the guy turned around and was like, fuck you. Like just went off. And I was like, yo, man, all right. Yo, I put my mask on. I just, he won that one. Cause I just, I couldn't get it. Right. Wow, yeah. um, and it, and it was just like that dealing with, um, you know, I, I think all of us work in tech, right. Co COVID, mm -hmm hurt things, but we still like work. Right. But I had roommates in San Francisco that were like in the restaurant industry. So it was like, mm. I'll come home and it would be like, you know, hot boy summer. Right. And they're like slamming white claws in their underwear. And they're like, Oh, what's up, Ryan? Like you slanging some more BTC bags. And I'm like, Oh my God, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I sit here doing this crazy stuff and I come home and these guys are, you know, playing journey and you know slamming white claws and trying to get me to have two Yo, before i get stop. to my yeah 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 oh it's so like, good the world's going upside down and these guys are just like you know it's the end of the world as we know it right like just like it's yeah. okay yeah. it's blowing up it's blowing up um so it, it was it was really just sort of a, a crazy time um but in crypto I think everybody had more time to sit down and pay attention to what was going on in the internet, what was going on with crypto. You know, I think we got a, a decent amount of new retail adoption. Plus, you know, I, look, I, everybody has their um, sort of like predictions and how they think 
what causes the next bull. And I do think the, you know, the block reward happening with Bitcoin is a bit of a factor, whatever, right? But, um, you know, crypto started to take off. We started to grow, like, not significantly, but like, it was a nice, it was a nice clip. Now, when the, the, the bull fully took off, that's when we expanded um, a ton, right? We've grown a lot. And um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, during COVID, I, I think it was a very, um, it, it was a very good time. Right. Despite it being uh, like kind of like a bad time personally for yeah. just the world. Right. Yeah. So, and so Ryan, I got a quick, quick question about like during the bear versus comparing that to the bull, what were the type of issues that founders was very common in a bear and which issues were very common in the bull? Mm, sure. Sure. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Well, and I, and I think it's, it's um, relevant right now. Right. Um, because, okay. In the, in the bull, my practice would be like this. So, you know, we do a lot of token offerings. We do a lot of legal opinions, but, you know, we do a lot of fundraising. Um, then we stay on as company counsel. We handle just anything, you know, normal mm -hmm. contracts, exchange listing agreements, any dispute stuff. Um, we're, we're well, well equipped now. Um, but to, to your question, during the, the, the bull, right, it's like, hey, we'll get referred somebody. We work very closely with a lot of funds, like, Joe Mechanic, Symmetric, PIF, right? Paid Forward Fund. Mm -hmm. Your, you know, your guys, which, you know, Omar and Wright are, are the shit. Much respect. <laughs> yep. um, facts. <laughs> facts, 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 real facts. Uh, Anagram, facts. which is like Lily yeah. Lou. Uh, we were closely with Salon Adventures, um, Lattice, which they're based in SF, um, Infinite Capital. We work with a lot of funds, and it also helps um, me also having my own sort of prop fund, right? Um, but in the bull, we get these referrals, you know, framework would give us one and they talk to the founder and they'd be like, Hey, you know, how fast can you spin up an entity? Like I'm three X oversubscribed. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. How are you three X oversubbed? You have no entity. And it's like, well, I have a signed term sheet here. Well, who signed it? Oh, me personally. No. Oh my God. No, Why would you do no. that? You know, no, oh, no, no. What are you doing? It's just like, you know, it's already a bad omen. Right. So. Um, in the bull, fat, like what, what happens? We have VCs deploying a lot of capital. It's very easy to raise. Um, founders are, you know, typically it's their first time raising, maybe their second, maybe their second as they transition to crypto from like TriFi or just traditional startups. But a lot more often than not, it's a younger founder that is sort of like, seeing these bright lights of all these VCs, loving them, um, mm -hmm. hearing millions of dollars being invested when they've never even seen like a million dollars. I get it. I totally get it. Uh, but they'll come in and it's sort of like they, similar to what I did with my ETH wallet, my crypto, they have a little bit of fake it till they can make it. But then it's also like their perception of their relationship with the VC can get in front of the relationship they'll have with me or the firm, right? Because we're there to help you. Like we, sure. Uh, we, I can go into this a bit later, like what makes our firm mm -hmm. different than any other firm, um, which is we know how to wear a lot of different hats. We can wear a VC hat. We can wear a developer hat. Like you've got to know the tech, right, to be a true crypto native lawyer. Like it's a lot of things. Um, but, you know, they'll come in and they'll think, you know, XYZ VC is their best friend. Hey, they like you a lot. Hey, they want to support you. But at the end of the day, they're money motivated, Right. And our job is to make sure you understand everything. So 
rushing us to get something spun up, rushing us to just say, okay, here's the doc and I haven't explained mm-hmm. it to you can lead to problems down the line, right? Um, so those are a lot of the, the issues in, in the bull. In the bear, um, it's a little trickier, right? It's, well, uh, in, this, in this context with like FTX blowing up, we've seen a lot of retrading, right? So I signed with you guys, I signed with Dave, right? I'm gonna invest at 40 mil Val. FTX blow up, I signed it, remember, right? In the example, so I signed a legal agreement. Um, FTX blows up, I come back to Dave and I go, Dave, you know, we don't have any money. So we'd still like to invest, but 20 mil Val. And you're like, wait, what? You know, and Mm -hmm. sure, what can Dave do? Dave could sue them, sure, right? What happens if you sue that VC? Let's say they're a known VC. Well, you probably won't raise in the Mm -hmm. space ever again, right? So what happens? You either eat the 20 mil cut, right? From a 40 mil valve to a 20 mil valve, or you mm-hmm. just go, let me think about it. No, like I'm gonna let you go, right? But for the VC, it's it's sort of a, a win-win. They either say, I don't want this at 40, I want it at 20, right? And you say, okay, yeah, and you gotta get, get fucked, mm-hmm. right? Especially because that conversation will usually be with your lead, right? So that's mm-hmm. the anchor. It's not with the follow-ons. Follow-ons don't really have that much control. It's with the, the big one, but we've seen that. Um, that's kind of messed up, right? Yeah. Um, something else that comes up a lot, especially this season, uh, during the bear is so Mm -hmm. for, for context projects used to raise a lot with SAFs, right? Simple agreement Mm -hmm. for future tokens. Um, well, this whole thing is up for debate. I personally think SAFs sort of solved this problem nicely of you give me money for tokens. I give you tokens and Mm -hmm. we're done. Right. What we're seeing of a lot of now are safe with token warrants, right? So you get equity in this company, but your tokens, which are issued offshore, um, those come through this token warrant. Now, um, as a simple example, if you have a blockchain project, let's say, you know, XYZ blockchain project. All right, here's your whole network, right? As a general principle, how much of a network do you usually have a decentralized network, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have to give to the community, right? Over 50? 50%. Yeah. yeah, 50 over 50, right? So at least 50. So I only have half a circle. So if this half circle is what the founders can give away, right, through this equity raise, right. well, so for every 1% of equity, Maybe. that's 0.5% of the network, right? So if I, you know, because it's half, right? So two, two halves um, equal one. So I'd have to own 2% equity. That would give me 1% of the network. What some VCs will do is they'll do this yeah. one-to-one thing. Right. Where it's like, right, I've got 1% equity. I got 1% of the network. But what it does, as you can see, right, it's you do a couple of rounds and now you're about to launch and you're like, oh, we only have 37% oh. of the network to give away to the community. Mm. They might break the protocol. Okay. Sure. You can go back to the VC and go, hey, look, like we need to fix this because, you know, we're not going to be able to launch. You're not going to lose all your money. They might agree. But the, the point is they're already in a much different place as far as leverage. They don't have to. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of those things, um, other issues. I don't know. There's a lot of just general founder issues, I think, bull or bear that come up. Um, yeah, we could talk about those or, yeah. you know. Uh, I want to get go, go back to um, DeFi summer in 2020. Um, and like, I know one of your first clients um, around that time was SNX. And I think it's really important to touch on like your story with them because you basically helped write like the legal playbook for DeFi with like through SNX and use that like model 
for everybody else you worked with after like Olympus and what else? So like, can we like touch on that? Like, how did you start working with SNX? Like, what did you do with them specifically? And like, how did that like, you know, go, how did that play into like how you represented other legal projects? I mean, DeFi projects from there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was connected with SNX through, through Joe, through Joe Buttram. Shout out Joe. Um, <laughs> shout out Joe. Shout out Joe. <laughs> Doing his thing. The OG. Um, the OG. OG. Uh, Joe, Joe had gone into Haven. They were Haven at the time, like pretty heavily. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but as context, they launched. They're doing okay. Then they, they dumped very bad, right? They went very, very low. And then they had this sort of like meteoric, you know, come from behind, um, yeah. you know, pump, which was great because they were doing like some really interesting stuff. And I mean, I, I think a lot of that, really was the team was Kane was Jordan was mm-hmm. JJ. Um, these guys were just relentless and I think they're fighters. They were fighters, yeah. man. And we got to get them I'll, on the pod, like Joe and Kane, like to go over this story. Cause it's insane. Like where they were, oh, where they, sick. yeah. Where they like started, like then where they were at like the most bottom of the bottom. And then like where, where they went to, it's just such a one eighty. It's like, we'll, we'll convince yeah. Joe and Kane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. That would be that would be great to have them on the podcast, man. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was it was really that they were going through a rebrand. Um Kane was thinking very like deeply about what is decentralization? What does it mean? And it was working with them was was actually like a very um big moment on the firm because mm-hmm. from the work we did with SNX to your point, we carried it through into a lot of our other advisement on how to make projects more decentralized. Like, what does it really mean? You know, and working with Kane forced me to just think abstractly, which might seem obvious to most people, but for lawyers, it's very hard for them to go, okay, what's the whole point? Like, what's the point behind the securities laws, right? Securities laws are about protection. Well, how do they, how do they affect that? Well, one of the ways they do it is through disclosure is through restricting the assets. So you can't, I can't go, Hey, they buy this for me real quick. It's going to go up hundred X you buy it and then they take off. Right, so they have all these mechanisms, but one of the the main um, purposes behind, like the, the Securities Act, right? Again, is protection. Well, who benefits, right? Um, who could benefit? Who has the asymmetric information that can benefit them? You know, greater than just retail, and it's usually the people that are in control of that security or in control of whatever it is, right? Um, so taking away the control leads to a greater argument that this thing is not a security; it is decentralized. And Kane was very fundamental on just sort of like poking around and, and pushing on what was possible, right? So initially, we did some legal opinions for SNX around their token, around their governance, and really digging into it showed like like going you know Dow first, which I think at, at this point, if you guys ever want to talk about like current regulation, I think the Oki Dow decision was massively overbroad and was like. Mm. Um, you know, regulation by enforcement, which is complete BS. Just as context with that, the other commissioner that wrote the dissent, like that's not normal, right? Like I think people, if they look at Supreme Court decisions, oh, dissents are normal in a, in the Supreme Court. An agency decision, it's not like that. They're not, yeah. you know, that's not encouraged. Wow. It's not required. It's, 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 it's discouraged. For, so for somebody to say, hey, this is bullshit that works for the agency, you know, I, I think that's saying something. Right. Yeah. But I have a conspiracy uh, theory about that CFTC decision. What's your theory? I think um, SPF like 
was like influential, like behind the scenes, because he met with the CFTC and, you know, he, he was trying to get everybody on his front ends. Um, and it would make sense for them to go after like a dad. And like, like you said, the decision was such an outlier and so out there, like what could have like caused him motivated? I have like no evidence of this, but it's just like kind of just me inferring. Like, you know, <laughs> he had that picture with like the CFTC and it's kind of like mm. his look on his face and like stuff. I was like, he did something there. And like, yeah. you know, but that's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's, 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 it's very interesting to me that I don't know if you guys saw on like decrypt and Coindesk. So mm-hmm. like the DOJ is mulling criminal charges against Binance. And it's like, yeah, that just came out this morning. I wanted to get yeah, into it's that. Like, <laughs> it's like, what? You know, I, I get it. Um, I, I understand they're trying to lock stuff yeah. down, but like, are, why are you looking at CZ? Like, shouldn't you look at this? U.S. person, you know, SBF yeah. that just blew everything up, and instead you're trying to look at. I just, I don't know, man. There's, there's some madness going on in the space. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I know this is chaos, but let's get back on track. Okay, so like Kane, they were pushing forward, like what it means to be decentralized. Yeah. So, and we, you know, Kane like really challenged us and said, "How can we make this like? How can we make it more decentralized?" You know, how do we mm-hmm. take control like fundamentally away from us? And it was like, well, it was it was little things, right? It's like you shouldn't have a centralized email. Like that's why they have like SNX DAO, like at SNX DAO emails, right? Um, everything should be transparent on a forum, right? Um, when it comes to certain uh, DAO governance votes, right? Where you like Kane or Jordan or any of the core team can have like outsized um, sway especially where it is some sort of economic decision where like maybe me as one of the core teams, I benefit from voting yes instead of no, abstain, right? Let the protocol do what's best for them. Like, mm-hmm. cool. Well, how are anybody going to say there's control? Like just go quiet and abstain, right? And th- these are all, you know, yeah. advisement and like best practices. That doesn't mean that it's always been followed. The but, email thing I never and, thought and, like, of. Like, that's so true. Like, have done. a different yeah, email. Yeah, yeah, that's like simple like, stuff. I would have never your, thought of that to be wow. honest. Yeah, that's a good point. No slack. Yeah. In the forum. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to take it off there and just put it in discord, that's also something else, but at least it's all there, you know, um, it's not siloed. Maybe you siloed some of the most sensitive information, right. Um, which obviously makes sense. Uh, but I think, I think SNX is, is really still, even now we're doing some, some, um, sort of updating and upgrading work with them. Uh, they're just, they've always been the forefront of this stuff. And, and yeah, it's been a real pleasure to work with them. Yeah. No, and going on to the point, like security is like, like what makes a security? It's, you know, group having asymmetrical information, um, like what is public, um, how it's, you know, marketing this and that. And I think like what makes tokens not securities is the fact like so much information is public. You know, you can see the discussions on the forum. You can see it, them online. You can see like, on chain like who has what what's going on so it makes like tokens like a lot different in character than you know traditional securities is that like a right inference well yeah well i mean i'll say this like i I think it's going to be a little bit of time before we get some positive or clarifying regulation and Mm -hmm. you know so now it's the game is you do you know a safe and token warrant you have your, your token locked. You want to at least have it locked for a year. Again, none of this is legal or financial advice, but you know, in general, you'll have some sort of lock on your token. You do the minting offshore, 
right um where mm-hmm. it's been well received and sort of putting mm-hmm. a little bit of space and you know have have your utility ready have governance as ready as possible if you can remember governance doesn't mean it has to be this fully built out proprietary system or even using like snapshot mm-hmm. you can start governance in discord it's about control like true decentralized mm-hmm. governance is about control where it's not theater right you're turning over control reasonably to your right. community right and reasonably mm-hmm. means you don't want to give over upgrade authority right um right out of the gate you would do that slowly with some sort of trusted um like development committee like dev committee that you know votes on on upgrades and everything and you know over time you can give it over but um you know i think that's the process now um i the sbf you know debacle has definitely slowed up um how you know accepting people will be of crypto mm-hmm. in the space but oh, in yeah. my opinion right it's it's nothing new right it's it's, yeah. it's this it's this cycle's big problem oh and, right 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 you know view what it is yeah, right yeah. like remember telegram was this huge big oh my god telegram's getting sued and you know yeah 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 the ton token and then there was some like dicta in, in precedent that said like oh anybody that participates in maybe reselling it would be an underwriter and it was like oh this is going to blow up the whole you know crypto investment community but what a lot of lawyers were saying that this you know it would affect it in this way then that would also apply to traditional vc investing and no vcs would be able to resell their equity positions you know there was this Anyway, there's this argument floating around, which I thought was completely inaccurate, and it was, right? Um, point being, there's always there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of FUD out there, especially right now. Um, get back to fundamentals. Get back to building. You know, get back like, to fundamentals. Yeah, get back to basics. You know? so, get back to basics. Yeah, yeah. So, quit so, the shit or get out of here, man. Like, it's not going anywhere, <laughs> right? So, yeah, enough for real. Like the the innovation is going to keep on coming. And speaking of innovations, the legal structure I've seen a lot of innovations through there too. You know, utilizing a lot of offshore, whether it be BVI, whether it be Cayman. Like, you know, we have the operating company here, but or the main you know entity there, yeah. and like or you know all over the like. So my question is like, as an attorney and innovating in this space, do you actually? fly out to say the you know uh, bvi or malta or any of these countries and talk to like the local legislation there and figure out a structure for your startups or how do these entities just kind of spring out of nowhere and i feel like it's a trend too once one person starts doing it like everybody starts copying this entity that works yeah for now until the next one comes yeah 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 sure uh good question well you know lawyers i always tell i tell my junior guys they come in and they think like they're just gonna like make a contract, like you're just gonna write it up and figure out the white way. No, it's none of that, right? Um, being a lawyer, especially like a corporate transaction lawyer, is a lot like being a developer, right? You have a code base, you pull the shit that works, you tweak the ones where you want to do something a little different, and that's it. I mean, it's the same thing. We have precedent, we tweak here, we tweak here, we give it to the client, they show it to the investor, they make notes, we update it, you know, but it's really just a couple of places. Um, so, What does that mean? That means lawyers, you know, we're always watching how people are raising the structure they use, the structures that used in the past. Have there been any issues? Have there been any issues, you know, say even now versus when they did because some time has passed. Um, So there's been a lot of, you know, fundraising with structures where they either start domestically with a BVI, to your point, came in BVI uh, foundation or a Swiss foundation. Now, um, we we gave, we, we were working very closely with some offshore firms and um, was giving them a lot of referrals. 
I think there are some really good offshore firms out there right now. I think in general, offshore firms, they move a little bit slower. They're just not like U.S. founders, U.S. lawyers, we're, you know, it's, it's known that we work a lot. We work all the time. If you're a lawyer in the U.S., you work all the time. If you're a lawyer in BVI Cayman, you work sometimes. If you're a, law, if you're a lawyer in Switzerland, you work once in a while, you know, and, and hey, respect to all of them, right? Um, but what we did was in BVI Cayman, um, I found one of like the best, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's like four or five big firms out there that are really doing a good job. I found their, their top guy and I got him to join. So, you know, so nice. a new rollout. Yeah. So we're, we will have like wow. Horizons Global. We already have the URL and all that, but um, that'll be fully rolled out by February 1. So for wow. our projects, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you come wow. through, you raise with us, you know, we'll, we'll kick you to our, our Cayman guy. He'll handle that piece, but it's a, a dedicated person just for projects that we work with in the space. He's not on a boat. You know, he's doing this like directly with the team. <laughs> You know, his, his crypto knowledge will be significantly increased as a result. You know, I mean, I have like a tokenomics framework uh, uh, seminar, like just that we sort of built in-house and, you know, rolling out to my teams. Like lawyers aren't doing that anywhere else, right? Like we're doing that. Like a lot of lawyers in this space aren't trying to expand, you know, their, their horizons, right? Pun intended. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what I think makes us different. So yeah, yeah, we'll have, we'll have this BVI Cayman branch. Um, when I was in Breakpoint Lisbon, I flew over to Zurich cause I'm very close with like Ryan Zur with Dialectic, um, an LP wow. and like Lily Lee with, with Anagram. So I went over there to, to see them, um, met with MME who, which is sort of like the who's who Swiss firm, right? They did the Ethereum foundation, met with their new partner. They're trying to change up some things and. Um, cause they, they got a little bit of a bad rap because mm. they helped the Ethereum foundation sort of get spun up. And I think they took 40% of their fees in ETH at the presale. Whoa. Yeah. Or 30 or something like that, but they're chilling, man. They're <laughs> chilling. So, you know, it. yeah, it's really hard for them to work oh. after that. So I get it. I, get it. I totally get it. You know? That's why they went, they goes to once in a while. Yeah. They hit the jackpot there. <laughs> yeah. You know? But yeah. rather than sort of just keep, which we, we have, I have a good relationship with MME, any, you know, projects you guys are talking to, if they need a, like a, a referral to them, let me know. I'll give you a very good, warm referral. Um, but if, if it's not under my umbrella, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think we've just really done an excellent job of kind of changing the way you practice law, like the way you practice law in the space, the way you do this stuff um, is just a little different if you want to be like, quote unquote, crypto native, right? Yeah. It really is. Like, you don't have to know how to do the docs. You have to know the newest trends. You have to be quick with like, okie Dow decision. We were very much Dow first, which is sort of, you know, some people have been like, oh, why'd you do that? Look at okie Dow. And it's like, well, you know, the government can do whatever they want. And just because they came out with this poor decision doesn't mean we weren't doing things the right way. However, now that they do have the decision, we kind of have to change our advisement, right? So you have to be very nimble. Um, you have to get the technology. I always say like our, my team, they can wear a, a light developer's hat. They're not coding Rust or Solidity, but they can talk about how the smart contract functions. It's all very important too when it comes to decentralization, right? Yeah. Um, they're also VCs, right? I, I encourage everybody in the team to get exposure to projects that from the MDV side we're investing in. I have a lot of like pretty cool ways to get them involved. Um, but by doing that, by having skin in the game, 
it also changes everything. Like as a lawyer, I can, I can tell you, right. I've worked on plenty of deals before I even did my first angel check, like a small little investment, like not even a 20K check, like a 5K check. Uh, I didn't get it until I eventually did that, did my first deal. Then it all started to make a little more sense because, you know, your, your incentives are aligned. Now you have skin in the game. You know what it, what it looks like to sign one of these, you know, agreements to get your tokens. What do you do next? Like it's a whole thing that I think can't be replicated without going through these reps and doing these deals, you know? And so much the same way, I want to bring that same sort of training and dedication with our new, you know, offshore branch. And yeah, I think it'll be, I think it's pretty exciting. I think you made a really important point. Like not, it's not just like, you know, law offices that have to be, you know, adjust and like more than just a law firm. It's like, you see that with VCs as well. You see that with like all kinds of different entities in the space. Like they don't, you don't just invest, but like you have, you know, People help out with development, help out with business development, um, with all sorts of things. Like to be in crypto, you have to wear a lot of hats. That's just yeah. part of the job description because yeah. this field is just so new and there's so many different things. People just don't know what's going on, especially newer founders and newer participants. And so like if you're able to you know, serve a lot of their needs, then like more people just keep coming back to you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I think like I've seen a lot on, you know, on CT. I've seen a lot when I've talked to other lawyers where they're like, oh, like crypto law is so cool. Like I want to get into it. I want to be a crypto lawyer. And it's like, hey, do you really want to? Like, do you really want to? Or are you just bullshitting because you see money here, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because to to do it, like it's an obsession. Like I know you two guys are obsessed. Like I'm obsessed. A lot of ways unhealthy, right? And I'm not suggesting you need an unhealthy obsession, but like there's no way you could stay up with this space with a casual approach to understanding crypto. It's not, it's mm-hmm. anything but fucking casual. Anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, facts, and that, facts. Right? How are you going to advise a project on decentralization when you have no clue when they're, you know, a cross-chain vault using a curve gauge mechanism and like frax minimized governments? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most people will be like, huh? But that's like a, like that, you know, we've all heard about projects doing something similar, <laughs> yep. right? Like, oh, okay. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, I, I do think that while from the outside looking in or when you're first like di- dipping your feet in the water, things look pretty cool, right? Big, big money deals, crazy stuff, but really working in it and understanding and having the ability to care about, you know, what could happen. Again, we did a lot of Dow first advisement that we've had to pivot mm-hmm. on a lot of it because there's, there's an enforcement action. There's this, mm-hmm. you know, um, CFTC action. We can't, we are not the government and we're not going to try to fight the government. We are just going to try to help our projects not have to deal with them and just continue to build and, you know, change the world. So, yeah. Um, I want to get back to um, like this cycle, like after SNX, you know, you're starting to get new projects. Do you have any more wartime stories from this past bull cycle? Hmm. Yeah. So I had, okay. How do I say this? Cause I don't, this is a little tricky one. Okay. I had okay. a, I had a very well-known protocol, right? Terminate one of their early uh, core team members, like number four or something, let's say. And I'm and I'm going to mix up some of these numbers, but like the 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 general theme will be the same, right? So maybe he was a little bit, maybe he's number three, maybe he's number five, but um, you know, he was an early founder. Uh, they terminate him mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. Just wasn't a good fit, like really, just wasn't you know wasn't jiving with the rest of the team. Um, tries to sue us. We, before they told me that, uh, you know, we got a demand letter, they made him this offer of a couple million tokens 
right? And uh, I said, okay, I think we should do that. You know, let's try to get like a cash deal. Anyway, long story short, this founder comes in, alleges everything. I still remember one of the, the funniest allegations was um, alopecia. Alopecia is like balding. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, they fired me because I was going bald. I didn't like I was losing my hair. We go to, so, you know, we're negotiating with the attorneys and we settle on a mediation. That's where we finally settled. It was in this mediation. We go to the mediation and the the principal from the, the company, right? The, the company person that's there with me to do this negotiation is bald. Like, is like a 30-year-old guy <laughs> that's lost all his fucking hair. Like, he had no hair. Like, this guy has some of his hair. My client has zero hair, you know, and we're like talking to the mediator and it's like, and he's an ex-retired like federal judge. It's like, judge, like, look, this, this is my client. Like, this is kind of crazy, right? Uh, anyway, <laughs> we go back and forth. We convince them that like the project is not doing that well. He shouldn't take the tokens. I he eventually ends up settling for like 80K, 100 something K. Uh, but the token value at, at the height of the last bull was about 90 100 mil. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yo, man, I need a bonus for that or something. But, you know, <laughs> next time. Next time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one story. Another wartime story. And this is actually, I think, a good lesson for founders. Um, founders, when you first get in the game, I do think it's important. You know, you need a little bit of capital. Have a little bit of capital before you start something because it, it could save you tons of time lessons, money, everything to just get a decent lawyer up front. And like, you know, for your listeners, for, for us, we'll sometimes do some basic work with projects up front until they raise, and then we'll turn on the fees, right? Not all firms will do that. And, and it is case by case, especially now, right? When, when things are crazy. Um, but uh, this is a great example of that, right? Um, we had two founders related, okay? Um, one is a young founder, he's the CEO. One is an old founder, and he's like... Um, He's like CFO, right? Old founder um, and young founder are, are related. They're like um, like fourth cousins or something like that. But they know they know each other, right? Mm -hmm. They they're, they're family. Mm -hmm. um, CFO, uh, older founder makes younger founder sign this uh, this proxy, right? And a proxy, I don't know if you guys know what a proxy uh, is, but like a proxy contract could say, "Hey, listen, on voting matters, I'm going to give you some of my power." So. In voting matters, Dave, even though I'm CEO and you are CFO, when it comes to board decisions, we're the same, right? Even though I have 60% and you have 30%, voting, we're equal. Now, what older founder did was in this proxy, that's what the proxy said. It said, when it comes to board matters, board of director matters, we're both directors and we're both shareholders. I have the same shareholder voting power as you, even though you have more equity, okay? But older founder did was he put in the contract in the proxy contract this math and it was like okay dave you have you know xyz shares you know 15 million 758 shares i have you know 60 million here's the math and it was very like complicated math what he did was if you did the math which it never showed totals it said here's the math therefore you know that's how the power will be assigned with with shares he assigned the older founder assigned four phantom shares to himself. So let's say it's 10 million, right? So 10 million, 10 million, I have 6 million, I have 60%, right? Dave has uh, 4 million, 40%, but with voting 50, 50, but with voting, I'd have 50 and Dave would have 50 
and four shares. So five, five million and four shares, in other words, right? That's fraud. Mm-hmm. That's fraud. So like he does this, he signs the proxy. We're like working with them. They're having problems. We're trying to get the other founder out. He exercises his right to, a, to, to the proxy, tries to lock down the money. I run to the bank. I, I go to like, you know, Chase, right? Chase Bank. And I'm like, hey, XYZ bank accounts here. If you give them any of that money, what's your name? Oh, your name's Kit? Okay. Kit. Good. All right. I just sent an email to my team. You give him any of that money, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue Chase and I'm going to sue you. Right? Now, I'm not that guy. Like, just so you guys know, I'm not like running in, kicking open doors, like, I'm going to sue you. Like, that's the worst (laughs) thing you could do. You never do that. You know? Like, that's just, you know, that's just like poking the bear and saying, let's fight. Right? Because I'm not actually going to fight with that guy. He's going to get his team. He's going to come get me. But, you know, I didn't want him to give the money to the older founder because he was trying to take that money and, and lock it up and keep it his own, you know? Oh. So I threatened him, finally got control of the money, show him the fraudulent proxy, you know, gave him a little description, do the math, just do the math, look at it. Uh, eventually got the money out, stuck it in with uh, like a neo bank I was working with, which is also crazy, right? It's like a, another good reason to work with a good lawyer. It's like, who you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Stuck it in there where he would be safe, turned around, we filed a lawsuit, they did a counter sue anyway. Long story short, um, they split. Older founder had a, a decent chunk of the tokens. Younger founder was sort of like stuck with this burden, which they're still sort of sorting out, right? Um, all that, though, as like a terrible story, cost about half a million dollars in all in and fees, costs, everything. Yeah, not just like legal fees, just other stuff. You had to pay them um, all because he signed this stuff and didn't have a lawyer look at it, right? Like that's an extreme example, but... I mean, there's a ton of these. There's What's the point of, of signing like a proxy contract to begin with? Like, why would I want to do that? Never. So yeah, just for anybody listening, <laughs> do not sign a proxy Got contract. It. Okay, there if, you go. If, Easy. If, if there's a reason that sounds good to you, please have a lawyer that doesn't work for the person that wants you to sign that proxy. Look at it, you know, meaning get a different lawyer. In this case, it was like younger founder was very young, right? An older founder had, had run several businesses. So in this scenario, he was like, look, like you just got out of college. I've had six businesses. They've done well. You know, mm. um, I should I should have equal voting power. I'm dedicating this. I'm you know twice your age. So he kind of just like bully fan bullied him, right? So fan yeah, bullied. you should never yeah. do it. yeah. But I mean, here are other things why I think you should also have a lawyer like earlier um, with founders are things like taxes, right? Like getting your eighty three B sorted out, like making sure. You, you know, you have proper mm-hmm. tax strategy when it comes to these tokens. Um, what else? Like, again, VCs, like you were talking to a VC and you're already pumped up. You're like, we're good to go. The VC told me the terms. You know, then you talk to me and you're like, here are the terms. And I'm like, cool. Hey, Kit, like, remember, one-to-one, safe and equity, this is going to be a problem. And you're like, can you do this? Like, can you, I need you to just do this, you know? Yeah, yeah I could, do, but do you understand the problem? I don't care. I don't care. It's, you know. It's, it's X, Y, Z. It's like, it's a great fund. Like they got my back. Well, maybe, you know, um, maybe there's, there's maybe, right. There's a ton of those. So if you were to say, obviously not naming names, but like out of all the fundraising deals you've seen, how many of them are actually predatorial and that a founder should double check? You know, I'll say some of these, some of these big tier one funds, um, there are definitely a few that are like excellent, right? And I think they do a good job. Um, I think it's always hard 
to sort of slight a fund for doing what they're supposed to do, right? Which is they have to make money for their LPs. Mm. Uh, how it's done, it takes different flavors, right? Like I always say this with, with other firms. Um, with my law firm, we have a, a good mix now of younger crypto native lawyers that like, you know, two of them now have only been in the space. They haven't practiced any other law and they're super legit. But now we also have a mix with some big firm lawyers, right? And um, we, we recently brought in Advanced Blockchains GC, Dave Kaplan, it's another hitter, but um, Alone is from Gibson Dunn. You know, we've had people from McDermott there. Um, you know, we have, we have a great mix. Now, um, I always say, again, about big firms, there's good lawyers there, um, but, but it really ma- you know, it matters the team. I think it's also similar with VCs, right? It's like, you're talking to a big fund, they might have two different teams. One of them might be okay. And the other one, you know, that analyst or that venture partner is trying, you know, he's trying to make some extra scratch for himself. And he doesn't care, you know, about like being a little bit rough with you guys because he's with XYZ Fund, right? So, you know, it, it, I guess the point is it really is who you get. Um, but as a general proposition, I think just founders, again, should just get a decent lawyer, get one that's in the space or at least knows the space and knows some of the main participants, right? Like some of these big firms may be great, but if they don't know how, you know, framework does stuff, you know, what good are they? Right. At least with mm-hmm. that situation. But yeah. Yeah. Got it. No, yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I guess another advice. So if I'm a founder raising money, like what should I look for in a VC you think? Sure. Um, I think founders, well, also I think the time speaks to that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, Right now, for some founders, just getting that raise um, would be enough. Yeah, you know, like it's 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 messed up to see last bull. You know, it would be like, hey, three x oversubbed, got to get this thing closed in a week. No diligence, no. You know, I, I saw some projects raising at eighty mil first round. I look at their deck. There's like spelling errors in their deck. You know, poor <laughs> graphics, and they're like, oh yeah, we're we're dev guys. We're like Rust developers. We don't know how to make a deck. You know, we, we just got done working at jump 80 mil three X over something like what, (laughs) you know, um, uh, now it's like, Hey, you know, 15, 10, 20, whatever it is, 30, they're just, they're just trying to raise. Um, if you can, right. If you're a founder and it's a perfect world, you would want a fund that would dedicate capital that maybe a founder could work in, let's say a soft hook or two. So, you know, MDV, for example, we're very close with, I don't know, asymmetric, right? And so part of my investment, I also, you know, you give me a soft ask, connect me with Joe asymmetric because they're doing some cool, you know, dashboard for this and this, right? And you want to, you want to like integrate with them or, and in other words, soft hook mean like soft hook means it's not written in a contract and it's not a condition to investment because no VCs will do that. It's like, no, fuck that. Um, but mm-hmm. looking for VCs that could be value add that, that you have. And, and a, another trick I think for founders is a specific ask specific, right. Instead of like, cool. Okay. You like ask founders, like you talk to Chris Dixon, right. You talk to Chris Dixon, a 16, you know, let's say he's super down for you. Like, what would you ask him if he just would give you more than capital? What else? You know, and sometimes founders will be like, I, I don't know, connect me to other funds or connect me to projects that'll help mine. No, man, I think you should have a, a, a list of asks, right? Yeah. And why this ask will build your project and why it's that important. And like each VC can give you something different, right? So 
Um, but again, it, it's sort of like, look, I'd love for you to invest. I think part of, you know, you coming in as a partner with my project is sort of this collaborative situation. And I would really love it if you, Dave, let's say you're the VC, you could connect me with Omar at PIF or, you know, Sam from Frax, because, you know, I, I, I love the way it, you know, it has the stable coin balancing mechanism. I need to talk to him a little about that. Would you mind, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. again, the cool thing about the space right now is how many, how many real deep participants are in here? Like, what do you guys think is a number? Like how many? Like deep crypto people in the world, like dedicated to this game. I'd say probably like a few thousand. I like. I, I would say around the thirty k, maybe no, 30K, no, thirty k. Yeah. I would feel less, right? Less. How, what do you think? How many do you think are? I I think yeah, I think fifty fifty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. If you start trimming at the non super deep crypto people, the people that are in it, but they're not like digging into these protocols and admissions and all this stuff, right? But like they get it, maybe a hundred, you know. But like to your point, yeah. 30, 40, how many deep, deep crypto? Maybe 5,000, right? Like like a SAM level, you know, even less. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, it's like, well, you know, if I did a deal with Dave, Dave can get me in front of SAM right now, right? Same with you, right? Like mm-hmm. most of us can get us in front of somebody if it's that important. And that is like major alpha, right? I think that's lost, like not lost on all founders. There's definitely founders mm-hmm. that are always grinding and trying to get in front of the right people. But like, this idea, if you are a SaaS company, right, it's a different market. It's a different game, fundamentally, right? Mm-hmm. Here, like you could be a hustler, build mm-hmm. stuff, go over here. Like this is also why I think there's some burnout in this space because, you know, it's all right there. You just got to kind of go for it and build it, which is, I think, what's so awesome about this space. Why I'm so grateful to be a part of this space, you know? So yeah, um, absolutely. Have some have some hooks there. Have some real specific ways they can help you because – I do this all the time when we go on like portfolio company, like uh, follow-up calls, like me and it'll be uh, Winston Dave, right? Because um, mm-hmm. he's, my, he's my, my, my venture partner. We'll go on there and it's like, how can we help? You know, and they go, recruiting. We go, okay, we try. There's always recruiting me, right? But then it's like, what yeah. else? You know, these projects could come to me and say, hey, look, you know, sure, no, you know, we don't want to pay for it. Maybe we just give up the cuff non-legal advice, but your thoughts on this, your thoughts on that. Sure. I can give them that, Mm -hmm. you know, connect me to this fund. Sure. Right. Like anytime there's a specific ask, it'll get executed. And I think founders should just see, again, choose VCs that'll help. Some of the bigger funds will help you if they think you're going to change the world. Um, Some of these still tier one, but smaller funds will give you a lot more help and angels and, you know, sort of early stage funds are typically the most helpful, right? Because, you have to just as context, this is where they're at. They're trying to get up there to the yeah. system. So they, they, they have more time. Right. So um, I think that's another thing mm-hmm. founders should think about when they're raising is yeah, yeah, yeah. A16 is great. Paradigm's great. You know, if they're going to give you some big heavy resource, then do it. But if they're just giving you capital and you can get capital from a lot of other like tier one, a plus players that just aren't that big, I would take those other ones, especially for mm-hmm. earlier round. Because you yeah. need it, it takes a village, right? Yeah. It takes a tribe. So, yeah, I want. So, I want to. Fl- so, so wrong. Same question. Oh, I was gonna. F- uh, I, I, yeah, I, I wanna, go ahead. Really quick, it's, it's the same thought. Yeah. It's like, so what advice would you give to founders, and what question, what specific questions to ask when they're shopping for an attorney? 
mm. and for counsel. Sure. Well, right? I, this is your field. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I would say this: I would uh, founders should ask what kind of deals the attorney has participated in. I would. I always say, okay. So again, remember I told the my through all the story, and I said I was I had this um, injury. So I used to do MMA, right? Mixed martial arts. I still, you know, work out, just stay in shape, and I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, I always say in in MMA in jujitsu, right? You could sit down with somebody and they could say, "Yo, I'm NCAA wrestler. I tapped everybody. I'm a killer. This, 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 this. You know, he's got veins coming out here and tattoos all over his face, right? None of it really matters. Once you slap hands and he grabs me, I could tell in a second if he's good or not. And it's usually those guys that are fucking stone cold savages are the worst, right? Similarly, I think that applies in crypto, right? So founders should go, hey, you know, Ryan, like we're looking to raise, we need help with decentralization, we'll need a legal opinion, you know, here's our deck. What do you think, right? Test the lawyer. What do they think about the project? What do I, I think about your governance? What do I think about your tokenomics, right? What do I think about, you know, how the, the protocol is put together on, you know, again, on a very low level, right? Just because I just saw it, let's say, but I would test them. A lot of times founders will go and it's like, oh, it's Goodwin. Like, oh, it's a big firm. They're, they're great. Well, test their lawyers, test their crypto group. So what have you worked on? You know, oh, I work tangentially on this, this, and this, with this project, what project? What I see a lot with, with big firms is they'll work on projects and they're either projects that are, uh, you know, have some big corporate backing. So they have to go with a Goodwin right? But it's not a good project, right? Or like, pro like by testing them, you could see like how much time will it take to get these attorneys up to speed? So another thing we see with big firms is they'll bill. They'll go, oh, okay, you're a, you know, you're a, a privacy DEX. You're a DEX that use ZK technology, you know, to engage in trades, but you could do that. So, you know, the trades are private. So your wallet's private, whatever it is, we'll see a ton of attorneys bill for the research. So I'll bill you eight hours so I can read about ZK technology. Like that's bullshit. You know, mm. that's not fair. You yeah. know, so by, by testing who you may work with and, and seeing who they mm. work with and, you know, checking references, I think you have a much better um, probability of getting a great attorney. Yeah. I wanted to flip the first question to how can VCs prove themselves to founders? How can VCs make their way up from just, you know, early stage starting out like mid tier to top of the pack? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So I do like, so I've sort of engaged in that whole, you know, journey myself, right. Where first it was like just doing legal stuff and, you know, did some angel checks that worked out like, you know, general counsel at Solana that did great. Now I'm kind of sad, but you know, it, it'll come back. Right. <laughs> it'll come back. <laughs> Definitely come back. Um, when you start out though, you know, you could start out doing angel checks and really being that sort of VC, that angel that is always there. You know, we see this a lot. Um, there's, there's a lot of like very strong, Mark Katakowski, he was on the board of my crypto with me. He's, he helped with FutureSwap. He's doing this ethos operating system. This guy will think of the idea to help fund it. He finds the team. He stays working with the team for free, you know, and he is just dedicated as dedicated can be. And he's, it's really, he's a, he's a mentor to me, right? He's just, he's always thinking about how you can give back and how you can contribute. And I think for um, VCs, you know, going that little bit of extra mile where it's like, okay, Dave, you know, you raise, I, I give you some money, 
you're like, hey, connect me with, you know, Raj and Tolia, connect you guys. Or like, do this thing over here, I connect you guys. But if me, Ryan, I'm sitting around at Christmas and I'm messing around on crypto Twitter and I see you just rolled this new thing out and you haven't even prompted me for anything, right? I reach out to you and I go, yo, Dave, yo, I just see your V2 roll out. You know, you're doing this and this with like cross quitting pools or whatever it is. Yo, you should talk to these guys. Can I connect you? You know, just sort of reaching out. And again, this isn't like, every day or once a week or once a month. It's just like when it comes up, this simple act of you going, hey, look, you didn't ask me for anything, but I was thinking about you and let me help you with this. Like, it's huge. It's huge. It's very much the same thing how, how like you'd want to treat people that you want to keep a good relationship with, right? There's a lot of just relationship dynamics that, that mm-hmm. go into being a proper VC. And I think for those VCs that don't do that well, they sort of lost that understanding when they're like, oh, you know, we're known, we're a big pot of money. You know, you're, you're lucky that we're investing in you. Shut up, yeah. you know, take our money and then we'll dump your bags. It's like, you know, and it also, again, goes back to that mission. Like, what are you here for? Are you just trying to make mm-hmm. like lots of money and then exit? Or are you, you know, do you want this space to be here forever? And you say, hey, I played a part. That's my yeah. mission. Being you know? proactive, basically. Yeah. Acting even when you're not asked to. And also, right. um, I think uh, one of my favorite quotes is from our friend Joe. He was like, the number one like referral for like raises for like to VCs from founders or like from other founders themselves. Like other founders talk to each other like, hey, like how's this VC? Mm-hmm. How's that VC? So they'll talk and they'll tell you like which VCs actually have their neck out for you and which VCs are more kind of just laying back in their chair and just chilling. Yeah, yeah. And there's always exceptions, right? There's always the founders mm-hmm. that think they're like the next Zuck or the next Vitalik, you know, and they're like, man, I'm the shit. Okay. Well, maybe you are, maybe we shouldn't work together. Cause I'm just, you know, trying to help good people and just not right. legit enough for you. Right. But most, <laughs> most often those guys don't last that long. Right. So, yeah. you know, um, also have to be aware of, of, of those types of participants, right. In space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you said you're the general counsel for Solana. Uh, can we get into that? Like when were you the general counsel of Solana? How did you become that? And like, what was it like seeing Solana just rise to become like, you know, one of the most competitive L1s this cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, started working with Solana in 2018, um, was referred them from um, another founder, which was great. They were working another with Wilson Sincini. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, to, to your point, founder referrals for lawyers and, and VCs, man, it's, 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 really, it's really the key, mm-hmm. the key to the stack. Um, yeah, was referred them. They were working with Wilson Sincini. I was only two lawyers at the time. Uh, Raj gave me this sort of like test contract. It was like a, not a normal contract, which I just had, it was bespoke. I'd build it. Um, wasn't that hard. Uh, he liked us, uh, brought us in. We started working in the 2018, had an office there and at wire. Remember I was saying the whole wire story. So I had two offices. So I'd go to wire and then I had a little scooter and I would take my scooter down to 645 Howard, which is the Solana HQ at the time. Um, was very cool working with them, like as they built stuff, as they dealt with, you know, problems and had to pivot, right? Um, you know, uh, there, this was, remember, like for context, EOS raised, there was uh, these other L1s, it was like Neo, and it was like, oh, these guys, yeah. Solana is going to be another EOS, maybe. And it's like, no, 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 they have some real stuff here, but nobody was buying it at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had to raise again, we had to pivot on some of our like hardware validation stuff. Um, there was lots of just things that we had to push through. I still remember 
said, you know, San Francisco Blockchain Week was this awesome thing. I, I, I was talking with one of the, the team members, the core team members in Lisbon, and they were like, yo, remember uh, SF Blockchain Week? It was, they had this mimosa, like breakfast, right? At a decent time, nobody came. And it was just like, shit, you know? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was like nobody there. Um, you know, we really went through a lot of ups and downs. Like we, at, at first, because the team is like a telecom background, it's like, oh, cool. Maybe we'll do some telecom stuff, like Qualcomm will come in or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, oh, I hope not. Like, what's the use case there? You know? <laughs> so there was, <laughs> there was really a lot of like struggles and challenges to get around. Um, and, you know, we started looking more and more at DeFi. I, I mean, I think it, that was really the saving grace, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it was just, it was a trip because, you know, um, Solana launched in like March, I think it was March or April. It was like after COVID, April or May, and um, started off okay. And then it really started taking off. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, um, a lot of that SBC stuff, SBF, sorry, SBC, SBF um deals were also sort of commingled they were very like you know ftx was very close with solana which mm -hmm. for me was kind of a trip now because i you know i did those deals um kind of crazy kind of scary but you know I, and in a lot of ways i also think ftx with their DeFi focus kind of pushed solana in that direction mm -hmm. and you know i think while it's fucked it up it definitely had value add at certain periods. Yeah, there's you know, silver lining in it all. Yeah. 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 You well, know, like we could have just yeah. been this, it could have been like, you know, just some other zombie chain L1, right? Yeah. Because yeah, they, they came up in the generation L1s of EOS and Neo and Icon and all that shit. And like, you know, back then I was like on EOS from my first project and everybody just had EOS exhaustion. Like, you know, they raised like $4 billion, like not yeah. much to show for it. You know, the pitch of Solana and the pitch of EOS were quite similar. And like no one basically went around to do their due diligence um, on Solana. So do you think like when SBF and FTX like got into like, hey, we're going to like do major focus on Solana. Do you think they saw the tech or do you think like, oh, like we can have like be masters of the universe on Solana. Like this mm. is going to be like our chain. Was it more like, you know, there's something here or like uh, we can control it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. I, I do think whether SBF thought about any sort of control, um, that wasn't apparent to me. I do think he believed in the tech though. And mm -hmm. say what you will, right? Like people hate on Solana, no problem. You know, I, I again, I think the cool thing with crypto is you don't have to engage with any of these protocols if you don't want to. But Solana has gone down, but like the tech works, right? The infrastructure works. And um, it's a new technology. It's a new L1 that does stuff a little differently than ETH does a different language. So, you know, there'll be challenges, but um, as, as a threshold matter, the stuff works, you know, and they can do a lot of transactions and they have this fire dancer, you know, rollout, which is this upgrade, which should really juice up the transactions even more. Um, you know, it, it does really work. Totally did have something and he does have something and he continues to, you know, and I think mm -hmm. SBF saw that and maybe he said, yeah, I could take like a major position in which to control, but I don't think Solana had anything to do with that. Okay. Got it. Yeah. No, Solana is interesting because one of my like friends, I, at first I was like, oh, like Solana is just like another L1. And then like, I was definitely more like dogmatic, I guess in the early days of this cycle, but I had like a friend that kind of like opened me up to Solana and I'm just like, wait, there's like 
there's definitely something here because it's different. They're carving their own path. Like they're different than all the other L1s. And also like right now, you know, they're going through their dark time. Like, yeah, like, you know, 250 to like whatever the price is now, $10, $20. But there's people sticking around. The developers are still there. They're still building. And that's the most important thing. Like every protocol, every chain goes through their dark time. ETH yeah. went through it twice, <laughs> three times. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. So like, you know, totally, this is like, yeah. it's the... It's the hard times that makes the foundation stronger for the chains. And that's why, like, I see Solana sticking around. And, you know, I like to think positive some and, like, there'll be enough market share, like, going forward. You know, maybe Solana's more of, like, the NFT chain or, like, games and stuff like that, like, runs through Solana because of the high transaction throughput. And maybe more right. of the financial stuff is on ETH because of the security and stuff. But, um, right. so, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely think Solana will start to carve out its its sort of own niche. I mean, I I do think we'll have chains. Personally, I think the next bull we'll see sort of like the L two wars. The L twos, yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. we'll see. But uh, to your point, we went to Lisbon, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. were in Lisbon, and yeah. that that breakpoint was very different from the breakpoint prior. The last breakpoint prior, I was like, this is cool, you know, but it's very frothy. Like it was, it was like, this has got oh, to be yeah. top market. Like the top. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little too ridiculous. And it's like, this isn't sustainable. It's actually like a little concerning, right? Mm -hmm. This year we went and it was just, it was so sad that the FTX debacle was right after Lisbon because, you know, I went there with our team. We had a packed schedule with teams. We had so many things working, so many, you know, pots in the fryer, just trying to make some cool things happen, you know, to work with and to help build. You know, we we're very much in the mission like that. This this is going to be here forever. This space is going to be here forever. And if I have anything to do with it, it definitely will be right. Um, mm -hmm. So to go from all of that hopium, all that cool stuff that we had, you know, built up for FTX to just blow it up. It was it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Yeah. But Dude, I get to your remember, point, Dave, like yeah. I was getting paid eighty dollar ETH, right? Yeah. In, in, in <laughs> 2018, 19, I was I was like, OK, for legal fees, I'll take ETH. But then I would still have to pay out my team, you know? So I was like, I don't have a ton of money right now. I sell but it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you would you pay them in ETH or would you sell it and pay them? I, I would keep the ETH and then any cash that would come in, I would pay my team. Smart. So I would, <laughs> yeah. So I basically just, you know, that'd be cash that I couldn't spend, in other words. Yeah. One uh, of the things, out. yeah, one of the things I'll, yeah, we were just in Lisbon like a month ago. And one of the things I'll never forget, I saw you at this this one party it was the FTX multi-coin. Like only you can stop bull markets, bear markets. <laughs> only you can stop bear markets with like Smokey the Bear. Oh yeah. And I have, and I, I have a picture of that. I have a picture of like the, the projection of like that um, of bear, logo yeah. and poster. And like, that was like right before everything collapsed. And I, I, I look at that. I was like, at that point, no one had like any idea. No one had a thought. It wasn't even considered. Like it was just like at that point, it's kind of like murmurs and like no, it's like nah. Like this is probably like just like some rumors of this and that. And I'll, I'll never forget. Um, I was having right when I left Lisbon, right before I was like leaving Lisbon. I was like having breakfast. I was with Satstart, um, and I asked, you know, you know, yeah. So I was with yeah. Satstart, and I asked him, um, hey, like, do you think FTX is insolvent? And he was like. I, I can't imagine it. Like, I, I doubt it. Like, it's hard because like people can't like imagine it until it actually happens. And I was like, you know, that's exactly what they said about Luna. Like before that collapse, yeah. like, people just couldn't imagine it. And I was just like, you know, and I remember having breakfast with them and we were kind of like talking just like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was off on the plane. Uh, and then I remember 
going online and seeing that Binance, you know, agreed to buy out FTX. And that was like the beginning of the end and everything just kept unraveling from there. Like this was at the point, like right before that, like, you know, uh, you know, Binance was like selling the FTT tokens and like Caroline tweeted, like, we'll gladly buy all of them for $22. Right. Um, which is which is like really interesting. It's like the opposite of like you know I'll buy all your Solana for three dollars. You're sold for three dollars to go fuck. Oh off. yeah, it was like the beginning. Yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. beginning of it, and that was the end of it. Like very, <laughs> and so um, I was just like, what what was like what was going on through your mind when the FCX collapse was happening? Like what was like your where were you? Like what your thoughts were? You? Like is this for real? Because like you're a lawyer, you do all the due diligence. Like, yeah. did you feel like something was sketched with like FTX and like, or like, did they do a good job of hiding everything? And so it was like complete fraud. Well, you know, yeah, I, I think I, they, they did a good job of, of hiding things. At least, you know, the, the deals we did, um, they were sort of like, uh, it was like, we take serum in exchange for Solana. Right. So sort of like, we take yours, you do, you take mine. There wasn't a, a ton of due diligence cause it, you know, they were all like very basic tokens. And they wanted Serum, mm-hmm. I think, to be built on Solana. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's some details I'm leaving out. But uh, when I went, when I was, when FTX collapsed, I was flying from Lisbon to Zurich. And I, I landed in Zurich with Derek, with one of my guys. And I'm just shout like, out Derek. shout out Derek. <laughs> shout out Derek. Yeah, we got some killers coming up. We got some real, yeah. real, <laughs> yeah. real talented people coming up. Yeah. Um, but I'm just sitting there and I was like, is this serious? You know, like, I, I can't, I can't believe this after Luna, after everything we went through and this thing blows up like crypto's golden boy. And it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah. Irony. Irony is, is, is such an interesting like narrative device and to just, yeah. to just kind of end it with SBF of this year, man. It just, it, it, you're not over hard. yet. <laughs> you're not over. <laughs> I know. I, I know. It's like Genesis blows up. It's like, Oh man, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's your, gotta, what do you, what's your take on that? I I honestly like I didn't understand the GPTC trade until I read um, Arthur Hayes's blog post about it. That was basically what drove last cycle was that premium. Um, really? And then like once that's yeah. So basically like you know the I, I don't know if you like read his article and stuff. It's like it was basically just like you know remember like with Olympus like how like they had like the elephant sucking its own dick and stuff like that that meme of just like three three and this and that like that was yeah. associated with it. It felt like Genesis was a more like complicated, convoluted of that because like you know, three AC would take a loan out from like Genesis, and they would like go buy BTC, turn to three AC, use that as collateral, and it's it's like ho for Kafka kind of thing. And like the assumption was like, oh, like this is trading at a premium, and like we can we'll wait, you know, we'll deposit the BTC into turn it into GPTC, um, and that takes three to six months, and then we sell it, and they just like you just play that arc. And because there's a premium, that was like super easy. But once that turned negative. Then the trade became unprofitable. That was like kind of like beginning of the end. And I remember yeah. seeing on like crypto Twitter, like that's how like, yeah, that was like a big drop. That was like the most important thing from last cycle. But like, yeah, it's really an, oh, Kit, welcome back. <laughs> Technical. <laughs> Sorry about that, yeah. y'all. <laughs> yeah. Continue. But, Continue. Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyways, like what's your thoughts on like what's going on with like Genesis? Because like apparently like, like they saved like the parent company, ZCG, saved their ass like two times already and like that's going on like what's what do you what do you think yeah well what's what's crazy to me is these sort of like over leveraged positions all right i'll tell you i think this is funny every time i talk to a fund or somebody in the space you know the last couple of weeks i always go hey guys how's it going how you doing and i go no exposure 
<laughs> me? No exposure. No, it's a meme. <laughs> I am completely fine. Yeah. Completely fine. You know? And I always go, oh, that's cool because I'm not. They're like, oh, you had, you know, lots on FTX. I didn't have a lot on FTX that would never put all my crypto on a centralized exchange, right? But a little bit of damage on FTX wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. But what really happened was, you know, I had one um, leveraged position in Solana that was liquidated, right? So, but that's still collateral damage. That's FTX damage. So I think that's being honest, right? Um, when these things, when Luna started blowing up, I, for me at least, the writing should have been on the wall for some of these sort of like three, three, like extra leverage positions where you're borrowing to take out more and then you're borrowing against what you borrow to, de- you know? Yeah, just Looping. completely de- <laughs> The DJ box. Yeah. Juice <laughs> There's something yeah. called the DJ box. Yeah. I remember yeah. some friends showing me that. I'm like, I, I was like, the name is the DJ box. Like I'm a DJ, but like this just sounds like, the box I don't want to be in because like it's just like yeah. musical chairs like when does the music stop for the DJ box and you know when Luna blew up I, I felt like for everybody I mean you know Sam included I'm sure he thought this would never happen to him um, you know they should have stopped with this madness right stop with this extra leveraged up lending against their assets like it's gonna crack it's pretty obvious that if things blows up it could be bad and for them to leverage that hard is just it's just insanity to me right um, mm-hmm. I do think we'll see regulation around centralized exchanges, around some of these institutional OTC desks. I think we're yeah. going to see a lot tighter grip around them, which I think is necessary. I think where it could get overbroad is if they try to extend that to DEXs and decentralized mm-hmm. protocols. I just think while you know the activity may seem the same, the plumbing is very different, right? Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see, man. But What, um, what is yeah. the biggest – like? Let's get into bear porn. Like, what is the biggest like train wreck disaster you've seen um, in like the bear of like just like just complete like collapse and chaos? Hmm, that's a good question. In the bear, this one or last one? I've Maybe seen. Either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen like some some pretty good projects. Um, I saw like a like an ETH futures. Uh, project that I think made some sort of poor decisions to go to AVAX and then an L2. Um, I've seen them get wrecked when they were like very much like a darling. Um, I've seen like, I'm still, I think Ohm is still doing some cool stuff and they're trying to figure it out. But I think a lot of um, just bad press and look, I I totally get what we, we work with Ohm. I think Zeus did some 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 really interesting things, and it was really important to push the space to that next piece, you know. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I just think with the market blowing up, a lot of these projects, Tokamak is doing excellent, right? But like they really lost a lot of value, like they lost a yeah. ton of value. Those guys have some cool things rolling out. We work with them closely as well. They'll, they'll have some cool things coming very soon. Um, but I mean, I'd say in general, in, in this bear just everything has been kind of like sucked out, you know? Yeah. Like the auctions um, has been sucked out of the room for like both, you know, it doesn't matter if you have like a great project or a shitty project. And like, there's a lot, there's still innovation happening, but you know, with Olympus last cycle, um, people don't see the tech. They just see three, three and number go up. And then like once meme. the musical chair, yeah, they see the meme. They don't see the tech. They just see like the forms of it, like the meme. And that's what they can process most people. And so, you know, after like, with huge decline in price and like they're still innovating like i see it on the, the range bounds we've had like jala and indigo indigo on like they're doing some really cool stuff but people yeah. don't see that they see like 
oh, like, you know, like, what three missed scam, this, that, this. And it's not. It's like they're doing cool shit. But, like, I feel like BTC was the same when it came out. Like, BTC had, mm. like, it, er, early on, like, when it was a very new technology, it had, like, crazy run-ups. And then it collapsed. And people are like, it's over. This is, like, not going to be anything. So it's just, like, history repeating over again. But with earlier yeah. projects on a di- on the application level instead of the L1 level. Yeah, true. I think it's also yeah. sad. We we worked with Maple for a while. Um, Maple. Finance. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Sid oh, and Joe. I think those guys are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're killers, man. Yeah. They really are. But this, you know, really kind of threw a wrench in this, um, you know, under collateralized lending because I mean they have a ton of toxic debt right now. But yeah. I mean yeah. I think those guys are doing everything right. Um, sort of just, you know, byproduct of this, of the market right now, which is shitty. You know, yeah. Give me some more yeah. bear porn. What is the worst case that can happen with the regulation, with OTC desk cover? And, you know, so that, far, 10 funds says... That's not porn. That's a nightmare. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a horror movie. You don't know what I like, Dave. You don't know what I like. Uh, wait, how about this? What is, like, the worst thing that can happen? And, like, what's the best thing that can happen? Let's start yeah, off yeah. with, like, yeah, worst yeah. case scenario and then end it on, like, a more positive yeah. note. Fair, fair, fair. Sure. I think worst case scenario would be um, tight regulation around centralized exchanges, around any sort of trading, swapping desks with respect to digital assets. And I think the, the nightmare case is that you have to KYC the wallet coming in, right? And full KYC, meaning like if I send from a wallet into Genesis, my wallet, I have to say like who I am, address, everything, right? They've already kind of floated certain bills. Um, I think that would be a nightmare because like Mm -hmm. then what happens everybody does a hop and then the government's going to go oh okay well it's not that wallet it's the wallet that you you control that eventually made it to that desk or made it to that exchange meaning not the the wallet right before but even if you hop 16 times you could be committing a crime if you don't give up you know you let's just say your main wallet is zero x ends with one two three right but then you go from this one two three wallet you hop 15 wallets the government could say no it has to be the wallet that you you know use on a commercial basis so it has to be this wallet right they have some definition in there i think that would make it like ridiculously restrictive and people wouldn't want to mess with sex you know centralized exchanges otc desks i think it could be be a bit of a problem um i also think like the government could again continue with this sort of poor um regulation by enforcement right such like the okidao decision and they make some other ones. They saw this um, article on Gensler, and Gensler was like, "We don't need any more rules. You know, we have enough rules. Lawyers know the rules. Get lawyers, and they know what to do." But what lawyers are saying is they're saying, "Hey, look, comply with Reg D, one-year lockup, maybe Reg S, but that's tricky. Here, let's do this offshore structure. We're doing all this stuff, and it, it's been generally fine. But there's still a little bit of this trepidation, right? It's like, well, am I wrong?" You know, Okidao is kind of weird. What if they do another one? You know, there's always a little bit of this um, uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's sort of like the nightmare case where they chop at governance even more, chop at decentralization even more, and they use SBF to prop up the reason why, right? I think yeah. you've seen governments do this before. It's like, hey, you know, you guys can't take care of yourselves. You need Big Brother to come in. Um I think it, I, I, they've used that argument before, you know, governments have used that argument and, and they could do it again. I hope they don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario would be sure. Maybe, you know, uh, a tightening of regulation around centralized exchanges, 
certain centralized desks. But then on top of that, they rolled out clarity. Like here, Calza token is definitely not a security. Here you have, you know, some sort of sandbox that once you launch for the, you know, like Hester Pierce suggested this first couple of years, you're moving towards decentralization. You should publish how you've turned this over and turned that over. And it's all transparent, which again, going back to the, the policy behind the Securities Act, right? And the Investment Act, the reason behind these regulations are, you know, for protection, for disclosure, right? Um, making sure everybody has enough to make an educated decision. I think crypto does a thousand X better job than traditional equities. Like you can't find mm -hmm. shit on stocks except for something that's in, you know, something you pay for that probably that company is sponsoring them or something, you know, you, you never know. But in crypto, yeah, I mean, because of there's this sort of like tribalism for protocols, right? Um, there's, you know, Frax maxis, there's Solana maxis, whatever, right? Everybody has their opinion. You know, they're quick to point out why other projects aren't that good. But you could do your own research. You can go, oh, maybe that is true. Maybe Maple is shitty because they just don't know what they're doing. Then you dig in. No, it's actually Maple's doing everything they can to be excellent. It's just kind of a function of the times, right? Um, I think that would be best case, right? I really do hope in the next yeah. five years to get some think, just clarity. Yeah. The, the important point, um, it's the, the commonality between both these scenarios is there's some kind of action coming from the government it's just a matter of it's is it going to be like heavy enforcement or real clarity yeah. it's just like a, like it's either, either going to be either or it's like that is like the horizon no pun intended <laughs> that's coming <laughs> yeah okay, so yeah, man. i mean what do you guys think about both of you i'm asking like on the DeFi side of things because all of this sounds really bearish for cfi and sexes but you know, like the Infira collecting your, your or MetaMask collecting your information sounds more doomsday and nightmare to me than than yeah, these, that's uh, well, regulations. That's more of like a MetaMask thing than like directly, I guess indirectly with the government. But like that's more of a MetaMask thing. MetaMask is the one collecting the inf information. It's not directly the government. Meaning like, yeah, the government can ask for it. But um, yeah, that's just like a matter of, you know, do pe can people just move to another wallet can people just change your rpcs which is not the most obvious thing in the world let's be real um, yeah. yeah yeah i guess that, that comes down yeah go ahead ryan i was gonna say related to that too i i one thing i i do the government sh should really really i hope eventually spend time and do and i i used to be in this lobbying group called proof of stake alliance and i went and i spoke on the hill i spoke to congressmen about proper legal and tax treatment for digital assets so we talked about the legal but I think tax is its own sort of basket of issues because um, without like tax clarity, I mean, every time you swap arguably is a, is a taxable event. Like how many people are like able to properly file taxes and do their books? I think it's, it's nearly impossible right now unless you have a team of accountants and everything you do is sort of monitored and you know, labeled and categorized at the time of the transaction. That's very hard for normal people, you know. I really think this is not going to happen. To be clear, I don't. I don't think the government is going to do this, but I think they should. Um, I forgot if it was. It was. It was an earlier president, in like the fifties or sixties, and they wanted somebody. I think it was like liquor sales. It, it was some tax thing, and he basically said, "Listen, starting right now, here are the new rules. All stuff, tax-related stuff you did prior to this date is forgiven, but from there here on out." Here's how you file your taxes. This is what you do. You better do it or we're coming after you. 
And everybody said, okay, great, right? Because they had nothing to worry about. And I think right. if the U.S. government can go, look, this shit's just a mess. We got rid of 1031 exchanges for, you know, um, transactions. Because before you used to say, if I swap one token for another, that's a 1031 exchange, no taxable event. They don't do that anymore, right? Um, I think if the government could come out and just say, hey, look, this is how you deal with digital assets. We'll cut you a little bit of slack because we want you to start reporting. And then now that you start reporting, here's how you do everything. Right. Like that would be awesome yeah. because it's still very much mm -hmm. a big problem in the space. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that as well for uh, my yeah. fellow burgers. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, we're getting towards the end of this and to like wrap up, um, I want to say, like, I want to ask, like, what are some important lessons you've learned in your time, not just as a lawyer, but just as uh, an active participant in the space? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. Here, here's, I think, I, I think some good, like, tips for projects when you raise, right? You'll raise a couple million bucks. Um, don't, like, diversify your treasury. Right. I've seen some protocols where it's like, okay, cool, we raised and outside the raise capital, the tokens out, our treasury's worth fifty million dollars, not with the raise capital, but it's all in this asset. Man, mm -hmm. take a few million, swap it out into stables and just park it for a rainy day, park it for something extra, park it. We I work with this one different different um, team where they had an early founder leave and um, we were in litigation for you know, almost three years, right? Um, during that time, we went from sort of uh, the bear to the bull, back to the bear, right? And we were, and the bull, they were sort of like, fuck this guy, and he was, he was just not doing it right. And I fully, sure, I guess, was the attorney for, for the, the team, but I also fully agree that this guy was just, this is a money move for the, for the early uh, principal who left. And, but in the bear, um, everything got a little harder. Right. If we we're going to pay him in the token, they had to pay him a shit ton more tokens, just normal, just dealing with fees got a little bit harder because we were working with like litigation counsel. So had they just set aside, you know, as soon as the dispute started or as soon as like things were just cushy, if they just would have sliced off a few mil off the top, they'd be in a much different position. So diversify the treasury, diversify it in stables, diversify it in ETH or BTC or, or whatever. Right. I think that's mm -hmm. like one big um, lesson learned. Um, get good uh, offshore counsel. I kind of talked about that because it definitely matters. Think about your taxes up front because like I have seen people get bitten by that later when their token launched and it's worth like many, you know, many, many multiples of what they offered it. Um, and definitely the founder doesn't want to be on the hook for any of that. Um, mm -hmm. What are some other, some other things? Um, I think speed, crypto is definitely a very fast moving space. But that said, like, you shouldn't, like, decisions, there, there aren't that many 24 hour or less decisions. Frankly, there aren't that many you need to make a decision in a week or less, right? I'll see that a lot. Like, founders will just get, like, oh, we need to do this right now. We need to do this right now, right? And it's like, okay, okay, we're going to do it right now. You know, okay, we sign all the docs. Okay, the money's in. Okay, well, well, you know, we told you to talk to the tax guy. Did you talk to a tax guy? No, we didn't. Okay, well, now the money's in. Now you have a fair market value on your protocol of $50 mm -hmm. million. Now, what do we do? You know, we have to align this so you can handle your tax piece, right? And a lot of it is just the founder, again, 
in good faith, just not thinking about things. So yeah. I want you know, to repeat that again, because like I've seen like, not just like, so you know, being diligent, but I've seen like scammers are like, Oh, you need to send this right now. This and that, like, like literally it's, that's important. Like there is a, there's a reason why that time buffer exists. Yeah. I was about to say, right. Like with fishing, sort of a rule with fishing in the space or when you're getting like hacked or messed with is you will be put in a situation where you have to make the decision quick, right? Send me this or you're going to get in trouble or like, you better do this right now. And you're like, oh, you do it. You expose yourself to a security risk. Similarly, it's the same thing. It's like, don't let the VCs pump you up. Don't let how excited you are to get this thing off the ground, you know, make you blind to things that can bite you later, right? Taxes, proper like treatment of other founders, right? Sometimes founders get in, they get extra greedy. Like you come in as a founder, but you're not doing much. And you said, oh, I want, you know, 8% of the network. And then it's like, well, you sign the docs, no vesting. I've seen that, no vesting on their tokens, no anything. They just get it. And then it's like, oh, well, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And this founder is going to leave 8%. Well, we have to come with a settlement now. But who have, in that situation, who has the leverage? Not my client, you know, it's the founder leaving. Right, because you signed it, no vesting was saying in this scenario. It's happened like a bunch of times, not just like once. You know, so slow down. Make sure you've thought about everything. Thought about yourself personally, thought about your project. Add time to your analysis, meaning goes, you know, what happens three years from now? Okay, I signed all this stuff, this is what I got. Three years from now, what does that look like? Is there any issues there? You know, just going through that exercise, you could spot a lot of these issues yourself. Mm-hmm. Um be be very honest with yourself about runway, right? Founders will go, oh, I'm going to raise for 18 months. Well, if you're raising right now, you probably want to raise for 24 months. And honestly, even if you say 24 months, it should be more like in your head, 30 months, because that 24-month runway never lasts 24 months. Never, mm-hmm. right? Never. So be conservative, right, with how you spend stuff, but be liberal in your budget, right? Because- Having a, a, a much, again, a bigger budget will save you if you have to cut things, will save you if there's a bear, will save you, you know, if you catch a lawsuit or heaven forbid you catch a subpoena, right? Gensler was mm-hmm. asking, oh, we just need more and more people. We need more, you know, um, SEC um, participants so we can regulate the space. What does that tell me? That tells me there's a lot more subpoenas coming, right? So, you know, set aside stuff for things that you never thought was going to happen, right? Because- yeah. You just might have said one thing on crypto Twitter. You might have did something that just piqued the interest of somebody. And it's very easy for them to just say, hey, informal information request, right? Which if you don't deal with that informal request, right, even though it's pretty formal with the letter, it turns into a full Wells notice from the SEC. And they go, hey, all right, we're, we're thinking about suing you, thinking about bringing you in. Give us everything, right? It's it's a trip, man. So, you know, the the idea of just like, setting some aside for a rainy day, especially in this climate, I think doesn't ring more true. Like now's really the time. Okay. How yeah. about for a, a founder who is going out to raise right now and it's like a pre-seed stage, like what advice do you have for those guys? Sure. Gone are the days, at least right now, of copy paste on another chain. Meaning gone are the days of curve on AVAX, right? Or... You know, <laughs> foam forks. Remember those? Those are pretty sick. Right. <laughs> so, fun. so fun. So fun. If the APY so fun. doesn't have scientific notations, I am not AP. <laughs> yeah. 
Just give me that yield straight to the fucking veins right here. Give it to me. <laughs> yield me, baby. Yeah. Yield me. Uh, for, for, for founders raising, you know, uh, have something like different. Be able to explain why it's different. I spoke to like two founders the last couple of weeks on the first pitch. It was like, huh? Wait, what is this? You know, and on second pitch, it was like, oh, okay. You know, building some cool, you know, variation of an MPC that's like open source. Oh, cool. Right. Whatever it was, it wasn't that, but, um, you know, have something that's interesting, have it as developed as you can get it. It's pre-seed seed. You're not going to have something like super dope, but you have to get your shit together, have a clean deck, have something real, you know, work on your pitch. Like I think founders should understand that a lot of these VCs, it's in their best interest to say, well, think about it, right? The 3X over sub, yeah. gone. What VCs do now is they go, oh, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're raising? Awesome. I'm taking a vacation. It's December. I'll reach out to you in mid-January. Not January 3rd, mid-January, yeah. right? And what, what's the VC thinking? Well, if he's good, he'll still be around. If he's bad, he'll be dead, right? Like those. So they will slow play. So be ready for some slow playing, be ready for like a little bit of rejection. It's much harder to raise capital now in mm -hmm. the space, you know, stay, stay behind your idea. If you believe in it, um, those angels that help you or those early, you know, participants helped you. We help a lot of projects like they will stay mm -hmm. with you, but like now more than ever, your resolve has got to show through like mm -hmm. VCs are paying attention to this a lot more. Now they're doing a lot more diligence, obviously. So again, with the pre CCs, how much diligence do you have? Well, maybe not much, right. but like you better have like a pretty good white paper. You better have some materials, better have a decent background with your founders if possible, you know? So it's really, I, I think they just should step their game up and, and really understand sort of from the beginning of the podcast, sometimes you got to ask 40 times before you get a win, even if they're your friend. Yeah. You know? Facts. So, Amen to that. Facts. Facts. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, thanks for your time, Ryan. At the end of these podcasts, we like to do a lightning round, a little lighthearted lightning round. And so okay. we'll yeah. get right into it. Uh, Kit, go ahead. Just for us to get to know you a bit better, you know? Uh, it's not that a two-hour convo is enough. So the first question <laughs> is, what was your virgin crypto experience? And sexes don't count. When did you first touch the chain? Oh, I first touched chain. I think... It might, I might have touched it right before this, but I, but I think this is pretty funny. Um, Taylor Monahan, right from from my crypto mm -hmm. right we, now yeah. now consensus, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she was paying me an ETH when we were first working together, and she was like, "Send me an ETH wallet," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah okay, here you go." So I send her a wallet, and she like goes, "LOL, send me an ETH wallet," and I was like, "Send to the same wallet again," and she was like, "LMFAO, you know, are you stupid? Send me an ETH wallet," and I was like. It is an ETH wallet. She's like, no, it's a fucking Bitcoin wallet. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, how'd you know? You know, she's like, no zero X. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I was like, what the hell is going on here? How did you, I just felt like so out of water. Right. Um, oh, wow. That was my first, that was my first experience. Yeah. And after that, I'd never, you know, never forget. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a long time wow. ago. Right? 
holy yeah, shit, look yeah. how far you've come from oh. mistakening oh, yeah. a Bitcoin address for an Ether address. Yeah. Oh my I wrote God, a Cosmos awesome. validator, right? Like I'm a big IBC guy too. Like I'm, I'm on every chain, man. So to go from that. It's on every chain. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Every new horizons, Ryan is there. Um, yeah. And second question for me is, what is your favorite off-chain activity? What is your favorite touch grass activity? Um, I still, so I, you know, I competed in MMA for a while. I, I you know, I'm not going to do that anytime soon unless there's some celebrity crypto event. I might be down for that. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> charity I still MMA. do like <laughs> charity MMA. Yeah, smash some guy. <laughs> I still do that. I still do um, oh. a little bit of boxing. I do some jujitsu. It's just nice. It's nice to get the, the stress out. Keeps you in shape. Um, yeah, I think that that's that. Cool. Short yeah. answers, right? You want for me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's lightning. Um, what's some advice you would give to your younger self? Like- um, I, don't give up. Fail a lot. Fail a whole lot. And each one of those failures, they're not really failures. They, they make you even better, even better you, right? Yeah. See where I am now. There was a lot of times I felt like quitting. There was a lot of times I was like, life is bullshit. Like, I, I never got a win. I've never had a helping hand. You know, how is this going to work for me? And it did. Yeah. Wow. Failures feedback. Failures feedback. Failures yeah. feedback and follow up 30 to 40 times. That's yeah. just those two Big things X. alone, I think, will get you where. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Then totally, last man. question is, Ryan, if you weren't. Uh, in law and in crypto, what would your professional career be? Ooh. Damn, that's a hard one. That's a hard one because I'm really, I just, I think I found my thing in this space. Like yeah. I found where I'm happy to be, you know, the rest of my life. If I wasn't working in crypto or law, I think I would still do something in tech. Uh, I just, the idea that, you know, you could be a part of something that changes the world. Right, sure, money is, is cool, but I always say, like, if you're on a mission and the mission is to like really change the game or change how you do things, money's byproduct. You'll get it. Right. But um, I think this, you know, ability and opportunity to say, hey, I changed the world, right? Like I was a part of Solana, like those guys changed the world. Arguably I changed the world. I was, you know, part of, you know, my crypto and and Taylor, she changed the world, right? All yeah, of these SMX, projects. Yeah. SNX, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You guys, right? I get to say I was on I was on the Flywheel podcast. You absolutely changed the world. If you get one, if you get one viewer that comes out with a project that does something a little different and that changes the game, well, you get to take from that. You get to say yeah. I, I was a part of that, even a small. You part. helped influence that, yeah, yeah. Like that's sick, man. Like that's that's what life's about, right? Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're not going to count the money. You're not going to cut anything. You're going to be sitting on your bed, right? watching the time tick away and you're going to go, what did I do with my life? You're going to go, well, I did this, this, and this, and this, you know, you can die um, soundly. So it's deep. It's deep. deep. Doing shit that matters. Doing shit that matters. Yeah. 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 Any other ones? Yeah. We need to make this a a quarterly (laughs) thing at least to have like, you know, my own corner, you know, founder hours. We should do it at 10 p.m. on Friday. Oh. Yeah. oh, that'd be sick. Oh we do a live stream. Oh, live stream. If you're up, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah right founders hours and maybe we get like, you know, some of that like I work with on the podcast. Yeah. Try to get Screlly on the podcast. Oh. Oh, we could get Screlly. We could get um who else? We could get so there's so many different people. I'm, we could get Winston on the I would love to have Winston on the podcast. I think he would be Ooh. real interesting. 
Yeah, I think he'd be, I think Winston would be really interesting because he, you know, he's sort of new to the game, but he got mm-hmm. thrown in super deep. Yeah. Super deep, you know. So yeah. uh yeah, he might shout out, yeah, yeah, shout out Winston, shout out Derek, shout out Maria. We can't forget Maria. Maria. Oh yeah. yeah, shout out Maria. Shout out Maria. <laughs> shout out Michael Pyro from the team, yeah. David Cavalier just joined. Uh shout out Alone guy. Alone as well. Yeah. 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 Alone man. Yeah. Yeah. Got the a whole really horizon squad. Um and these this two hours just flew by, honestly. Like yeah. I can't believe this is like this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed listening to you. Um, and all your stories, and I can't wait to hear what you have on in store for us in the future, and see what you're going to do in the future. Keep changing the world. Thanks, Dave. Well, you guys yeah. too. Thanks for having me yeah. on. I had a, I had a great time too. Shit went very very fast. Uh, would love to come on again. And yeah, however I can be of service to you or any of the viewers, anybody, just uh, just let yeah. Me know. Oh, where can people find you? Like people wanted to like um like find Horizons Law. Yeah, so you can check. Um, I mean, you can DM me on Twitter you know, at Ryan Nixon or at zero X rises law. Um, you can also check us on our website. You can absolutely reach out to you guys at the flywheel podcast. If there's any issue, mm-hmm. you know, you could connect me, yep. Dave. Um, but yeah. 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 I've been doing that. I've been like sending referrals to like, you know, Derek and Maria and like whoever needs help. I'm like, Oh, I, I know somebody. <laughs> Dave, you've been yeah. the man. Yeah. You guys have been really yeah. good to us. So yeah. thank you both. Thanks for having me. Thank on. you. It means a lot. Thank you. Thanks man. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you, everyone, for watching this episode of Flywheel Pod. We had Horizons founder, managing partner, Ryan Nixon, crypto vet, OG in the space, has seen the highest of the highs and lowest of the low, all parts of not just crypto, but of a human experience. Like, I felt like when I was listening to the stories, there's like a soap opera. I'm just on the edge yeah, of my seat. Yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen next? Like, how is he going to get out of this one? Or like, how is this one resolved? Like, super both entertaining, but also incredibly informative. Um, and any last thoughts on this one, kid? Man, I just, I, again, I hope the listeners l- took a notepad, wrote down the golden nuggets that were dropped in this whole pod. Because honestly, I, I'm going to go back again and re-listen to this Honestly, one yeah. Sure. Like, let's, you should like run this back just like here twice. Like, this is one of those ones that like to get all of the information, absorb it, mm-hmm. you know, correctly. And dude, more importantly, times. like dude, Ryan, he knows founder hours and like he has such founder hours boots on <laughs> yeah. the ground stories that you just know this dude is for real. Like you, you yeah. can't make this up. So like, and yeah. he also agreed to come on and do, you know, a, a quarterly or whatever frequency Founders check in hours. and just yeah. give us a state. Yeah. I think, I think it was going to yeah. be such a, um, a cool thing that we're going to work together more in the future. Yeah, this is such a fun episode. And you want to catch Ryan again, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell button. Give us a like. Leave us a comment. Follow us on Twitter. Keep up with us on there, at FlywheelPod. Hit us up on Telegram. Join our group, at FlywheelPod. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm DeFiDay22. And I am 0xCapitalK. And as always, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.